This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Get in, losers. This is the Lady Killers, a feminine rage podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Sammy. I'm Rocco. And I'm May. Our podcast is a tribute to the female identifying killers in horror and more. Each episode will feature us, your Supreme Court of female murderers, discussing our favorite lady killers from your Julias and Jennifers to your Carries and Christines. We'll tell her story, decide if it's good for her horror, and answer the most important question of all. Would we die for her? Join us on Thursdays as we pull on our sweaters, snatch our ice picks, sharpen our scissors, and honor the lady killers who live on the silver screen. No boys were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Greetings, constant listeners. It's Dan Dracula Caffrey. Since Valentine's Day is next week, we thought we'd unlock a sweet treat for you. Our Valentine's Day special from last year, which has been exclusive to the Barons for the last 365 days. We called it the sweetest slice, which, yes, is a reference to pound cake. Why? Because in this episode, we played Kinky Cupid and tore out our favorite sex scenes from Stephen King's works. So if you want two hours of sensual smut, enjoy. No need to send us any bubbly either. Although you could be our Valentine by joining the Barons. The sweets keep on coming over there. Hundreds of hours worth of exclusive content from our Stephen King archival series to our Spooky Souls Midnights to over a dozen commentaries on all your favorite Stephen King movies to spin-off series like Talkin' Hawkins or our ongoing Crichton cast. You can subscribe now through the link in the description of this episode or you can visit patreon.com backslash the Barons. For now, grab some milk and enjoy a whole tray of pound cake. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you But if you wanna make love, then I do too And I'll be right there behind you Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host, Jen Two. 
the raging erection Adams coming in hot <laughs> with our steamiest episode yet. Um, I was digging back into the archives and realizing that I hosted our Valentine's Day episode last year, which was very romantic. Um, this year is not going to be that. <laughs> um, last year, I cleverly called it my kingy Valentine, but this year we are bringing you a king key valentine (laughs) (laughs) lust is in the air and we are celebrating sex and smut with the sweetest slices of pound cake to be found in king's dominion (laughs) 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 we are popping the champagne corks breaking out the loofahs rubbing on the sweater nubbins and celebrating king's best sex scenes so pour yourself a warm glass of Coors Light and get ready to feel really weird i hope i have thoroughly grossed everyone out by this point but unlike Steve Kemp in uh, Donna's Abandoned House, I'm not alone. I'm joined by three horny losers who are going to help me read all of this word porn. So from Chicago, introduce yourself and tell us your favorite horror movie couple outside of King's Dominion. Hey, this is Michael Replacements hyphen Valentine dot MP3 Rothman. <laughs> Uh, I'm really Catchy. excited. You know, I tried to keep it, uh, you know, tied to it. I'm in a replacement yeah. mode lately. I got a, a recent vinyl from them, and I'm I'm all, I'm all back. I'm going back to, <laughs> nice. to to the flannel. Horror movie couples. Jeez. Um, I would say outside of King's Dominion, I am a huge fan of uh, James Marston, and uh, and also you know James Marston because Mars of Scars, right? Well, I'm I do. Yes, I'm throwing a wrench here. Because Mm-mm. I'm going his his couple Nick Stahl, because they were both <gasps> Steve Clark and Gavin Strick in one of my favorite underrated movies, one at least one of my favorite underrated horror movies, Disturbing Behavior. And um, nice. So yeah, they're I'm great. They're not really a couple, but now <laughs> I'm putting them on there. Oh yeah, Flagpole Sitter's in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's there's some that every little thing counts. I was a big song. Yeah, that was in the that's that was a good a soundtrack. Things. Yeah, it was a good soundtrack. Yeah. Although when I bought it in 1998. I thought that Flagpole City was going to be in there. I didn't know what it was called. I didn't. Know, I just thought that it was like Paranoia, Paranoia or whatever. Right. And yeah, that's what you think I it's called. bought the soundtrack and the song's not on there. And I remember being like vitriolic about it. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? And then I fell in love with the other tracks. Anyway, we're not here yeah, to talk about Yeah, I had to buy the favorite. album for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. James Marston, that's King's Dominion. And he is King's hot, Dominion. So. There's a little bit of a, a link there. So Yeah, you know. definitely. Yeah. Um, well, from a little lower down in Illinois, I think it's lower. I'm not great with geography, but Ashley, <laughs> introduce yourself. <laughs> and who is your favorite horror couple? Hello, um, Ashley, Ritual of Chud Cassidy. <laughs> nice. And I think... My favorite horror couple has to be Tiffany and Charles Lee Ray from ah. The Bride of Chucky. Nice. Um, iconic. Um, perfect couple. The second, the runner-up would be like May and Caleb from Near Dark because that's like a legit like love story couple. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. But you can't rip me away from Charles Lee Ray. I just love him so much. They're just so oh. fun, you know? I, uh, I know. I got to take notes of this because we are covering you Chucky do. over oh, Halloween. Oh, that's right. I know. We got to get you on one of these episodes then. I did not realize <laughs> that you were a, a big chucklehead. As we <laughs> I have been a chucklehead since I was very young. I had a Chucky or a good guy doll when I was a kid. I was so obsessed. And now the TV show is fucking fantastic. It's great. Yes. And Who it's knew? got Devin Sawa in it and he is very hot. 
I know. My crush rages. <laughs> he's, up, he's up to like what, three roles now in that show? He's got he like, is. Uh, yeah. do they keep saying he's like a sibling or a twin or something? It's, it's ridiculous. He was a twin and then. It's so yeah. funny. Right. I love it. I love it. It's more Sala, you know, we can never have too much. Um, and coming to us from New York, the city of love and also of Times Square in the 70s. So smut too. <laughs> Dan, say hello. This is Dan Dorcola Caffrey, and uh, you'll know why I'm using <laughs> nice. that term in just a little bit. Uh, our favorite <laughs> horror movie couple? Yeah. I would, you know, I'm going to say Corey and Allison from Halloween Ends. Mm. I know it's not, mm. the movie hasn't even been out for a year, but I, I think even people who did not enjoy that movie universally agreed upon they were an interesting couple, a great couple. I, honestly, that was like my favorite duo in a horror movie in a very long time. I was so invested in what happened to them. Whether yeah. it went north or south, um, yeah. And I, uh, hey, look, they look good, they act good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What else can I say? They they have a lot of style on that motorcycle together. So, um, yeah, love Corey and Allison. You know, my only complaint about them is no sex scene. Yeah, you know? it should well, be a sex scene. Like they're going up the stairs, and then all of a sudden they're awake, and we get nothing. Come on. Well, I'll say this: uh, read the novelization. Oh, Ooh, I have the novelization. I have not read them yet. So, I mean, um, honestly, it's not like. Um, <laughs> It's, I wouldn't call it pound cake or anything. Would it but not be on this list that we're going to talk nah, about Nah, probably not. It's it's yeah. fairly tasteful, but you get a little bit more than you do in the movie. They should have had a scene like, that's a lot like History of Violence between like Maria Bello and um, you know, the guy who played Aragon. <laughs> Which one? The stair um, scene or the Vigo cheerleader Martinson. scene? The, the stair scene because like, they'll be coming <laughs> oh, up the gosh. stairs and you know. he. Uh, mm-hmm. the, you that know, would be like have. on brand for those characters, yeah. I think, for where yeah. they end up. It would work. Just the bruises that... I just yeah, there's a lot of bruises that going scene, on in that you know? scene. I think Ooh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I love that movie so much. Sometimes it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. What about um, you, Jen? <laughs> my favorite. Um, mine is Jim and Selena from Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh I just boy. Love. I mean, one because Killian Murphy is just incredibly to look at, but also the scene where, like, I just love a man covered in blood, and I love that. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but their their big moment at the end is like. That's my fantasy love. I just love it. So, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, twenty eight days later. <laughs> if they do a twenty eight, I think was it? It gonna be months later or something like that? I think it's not gonna be weeks later. I don't think anymore. Oh no, they already did weeks, right? They had twenty eight days. Weeks. It was twenty eight years, right? They should at this point, considering we're at the twentieth anniversary of this year. But I think they've been talking right. about a third one. And I felt I, I could have sworn I remember hearing about like them wanting to bring back Killian Murphy. I, I say no. I say don't bring back any of the original any characters whatsoever. I like the idea that it has separate people in there. Yeah, that it's its own thing. Yeah, yeah sort of. I kind of agree. I mean, as much as I would love to see Killian Murphy um, and Selena again, like, I, and I like the second one, 28 Weeks Later, because it's a completely different story. Yeah. And like, yeah. it just wouldn't fit the characters, I think, to see them yeah. again, you know, I don't know. Maybe I mean, unless Paul they're going to... Uh, in, in this. He seems to be all our age these days, you know. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, speaking of all the rage, uh, we are going to be talking about our favorite smutty scenes. And normally when we talk about our favorite categories, we like to do a little Gerberlytics and give you a countdown. But here at LCHQ, we don't like to kink shame. So whatever you're into, as long as it's consensual, it's just fine with us. We are not going to give you a ranking. We are just going to play a literary game of spin the bottle. And we've each brought a couple of our favorite kingy sex scenes. I'm sorry, king 
spooky sex scenes <laughs> to read and discuss to get your motor running in time for Valentine's Day. And we were discussing and I had a little moment of panic because I was like, oh, shit, did we pull the actual pound cake scene? So I think that's what we're going to kick it off with. I want to give you guys a little bit of a spoiler. We're going to be talking about a couple of books that we have not read in our chronology yet, but we're not going to be spoiling anything major. And we'll make sure to let you know what the book is before we get there. So if you want to skip, go for it. But if not, just, you know, sit back and enjoy the word porn. So, Mike, (laughs) can you remind us why we talk about pound cake all the time? So in true Losers Club fashion, um, we did something (laughs) that makes no sense, which is that we're going chronologically, uh, as you've known for the last, you know, six or seven years. But... (laughs) We decided to name a category after a book that we've only we've yet to uh, reach. We're going to get to it this November, um, which is eleven twenty two sixty three, and the reason why we call the smutty sexual section of our podcast "Pound Cake" is because it be- becomes this label, this uh, innuendo between um, the two leads of eleven twenty two sixty three. And uh, so "Pound Cake" is basically code for sex. Now I'm not going to spoil <laughs> anything, but I'll just read a line. That basically says as much as I just said just now. The king says, but we got it. Pound cake became our name for it. And we ate plenty that fall. So <laughs> know that there's going to be a lot of sex in 112263. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. we're going to be talking all about it in November. Uh, I'll, I'll double down here and say that we're probably going to have five or six episodes dedicated to this book uh, come fall. It's going to be our big event, similar to how we did it. So get ready. Consider yeah. this like a little um, pound cake teaser, if you will. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little foreplay for it. Yeah, a little for exactly. Yeah, staying yeah. on theme. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Gross, yeah. but good. <laughs> yeah, I apologize again. I apologize to my co-host before we started recording, but I just want to apologize for acting like a twelve-year-old for the rest of this. This is episode, what people are expecting, Jen. They want they, exactly. they want us to get as, as insane as possible. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not known for my uh, thirstiness at all. I don't oh, no, talk no, no, about no. it all the time or anything. <laughs> so. How many times have you seen Infinity Pool? Um, oh my god! Like, Only once. I'm dying. I got to see it again. Okay. So yeah. Was it good? I'm super excited for it. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was. Um, it was a lot, but it was really good. And yeah. stars a very beautiful man who is a part of King's Dominion. But he is, he is not. He is, yeah. He's the scars of our Mars and scars. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I don't think he's going to make an appearance on this list. Um, okay, so Mike kicked us off. Ashley, would you like to read one of yours? Yeah, I'll read one. Um, we did not get to this book yet. I don't believe you guys have. I'm I'm the newbie. You have not reached <laughs> Mr. Mercedes yet, correct? We have not. No, well, no, I think that's next year, I think. Yeah, it should be next year. We're going to cover yeah. the Hodges trilogy. Hodges. Uh, and that's the beep, thing. Beep. Like, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like the Mr. Mercedes books, and even more so people that don't necessarily like Bill Hodges himself. I, for <laughs> one, definitely like the TV show Bill Hodges more than the book Bill Hodges, but Mm-hmm. That could be Brendan Gleeson. Anyway, yes. 28 days a, later. <laughs> yeah. 28 days later. Thank you. There's a really sweet moment in Mr. Mercedes when uh, Bill Hodges is about to have sex with a woman. I won't even say who it is. And he's literally shocked that it's happening to him. He's obviously not a ladies' man. <laughs> and well, he Kathy's just like giggling <laughs> crazy. Well, no, I, 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 I'm going to actually read it because I know what she's talking about. And it, I'll. I'll say why I think it's funny. Afterwards. Yeah, it can t- please get to. I'm so glad you picked this. <laughs> he he makes a joke about how if he knew this is where his day, week, month would leave him, he would have spent more time in the gym. And he almost starts to stop her, and she tells him to shut up. 
And then, quote from the novel, she slides a hand down the front of him, pushing the zipper with her palm. His pants fall around his shoes in a jingle of change. Save the talk for later. She grabs the hardness of him through his underpants and wiggles it like a gear shift, making him gasp. (laughs) That's a good start. Don't go limp on me, Bill. Don't you dare. They fall onto the bed. Hodges still in his boxer shorts. Janie and Cotton. Oh, boop in cotton panties, <laughs> as plain as her bra. He tries to roll her onto her back, but she resists. You're not getting on top of me, she says. If you have a heart attack while we're screwing, you'll crush me. <laughs> Bill says, if I have a heart attack while we're screwing, I'll be the most disappointed man to ever leave this world. God. <laughs> anyway, I don't really, I don't know. I really like the description of these two middle-aged to older people having a kind of awkward sexual encounter that's also successful. Yeah, but it's only awkward because they're both out of practice and weren't anticipating it taking place. And like, I loved the detail of her plain cotton underwear. I thought that was nice. And maybe there's a sexier way to describe her grabbing his dick than a gear shift. But (laughs) as a lady, other ladies out there, I'm sure that we've all pretended it was a gear shift at some point. So maybe it was just (laughs) the most accurate thing to say in the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just I like how sweet and tender and funny the sex scenes between Bill and her are in juxtaposition with the horrific sex scenes that are going on at at another house in the novel. Um, but mm. yeah, I really liked that that little yeah, I, short sex scene. <laughs> I it's funny because there I actually do think there's some really good writing in that passage. I just laugh at it because not just Hodges, but I think a lot of times when King has old you know, fat male protagonists who are out of out of shape out of and shape, out of yeah. out of practice with sex. It's always just like the woman being like, "No, you just sit back and, let, and let sit there and breathe heavily." And, uh, and, and so, like when when he's like looking down and stuff, I just picture him like get like eyes widening and gasping, like, "Oh, what's going on here?" Oh, like a cartoon character. So I just Hodges is so funny to me because it's just like. It's just like happening to him, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I love that scene. Basically, there's like, even one point where he like she's doing something and he just cups her boobs. <laughs> like, he doesn't know, he just like holds them. <laughs> it's just sweet. I like thinking of older luck. people fucking. You know what I mean? Like, is that a weird thing to say? But I do. No, no, no. It's sweet, and it's like there's an intimacy with like how comfortable they are with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like I remember like a couple of years after Corey and I got married, he said something to me. He's like, "We're only gonna get older and less attractive, so let's just like enjoy each other." Yeah, and it was like the sweetest thing. It probably sounds weird to other people, but I was no, I know what you mean here. You know, you just you get to know somebody's body, and it's like. I don't know. I feel like when we watch TV or we watch movies, a lot of times there's such an emphasis on like being attractive in these kind of scenes. You know, it's like another King's Dominion um, when Kathy Bates and I think it was um, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson in the hot tub. Schmidt. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like it like blew everybody's minds because we're not used to seeing like regular people naked you know well, or like, either is jack uh, especially what? the fact that he's you know he's leading the way for dicaprio um in this day and age but <laughs> do you guys yeah. uh do you, ever, you ever hear that rumor that uh supposedly jack nicholson keeps a jar of peanut butter next to the bed so he can keep for- eating it to get energy to keep going that's oh, i heard that really uh, yeah that wow. was in a rolling stone profile a while back it. i don't that know if it's true or one, not one hell of a man right there 
Well, it's he, like peanut butter yeah, and Gatorade yeah. next to it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like old, old Jack Nicholson, not like... It's like Costanza uh, when he does <laughs> yeah. the sandwich next to him. <laughs> right. When you said peanut butter by his bed, my mind went somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you would think, there. right? You're like, oh, oh, Jack Nicholson. But then it's like, right. it's like no, just so he can he can uh, have stamina. Uh, he's like got to be in his 80s now, right? Oh, he's in his 90s, oh, yeah. I think, at this point. Oh, he might no. be in his 90s. Is he that old? I think Let's he might see. be. Um, last time I saw him, he was uh, having fun with a sub sandwich out in the water um <laughs> just with, with a bunch of friends oh, dangerous. Yeah. damn you're right dude he's 85 he's my grandmother's age oh so he is 85 85 yeah okay wow. so that's he's crazy. he's getting close to 90 then that's crazy damn um, dude that's wild uh yeah i Jeez. so Still i don't hot. know i i don't know the um the, the the hodges element of it but like i it reminded me of a film i just watched called enough said which is a really sweet movie. I just really watched it. it. Like, and you just watched it too. And so I loved it. I, th- I thought it was excellent. I is that the it. one so with good. Um, Gandolfini? Gandolfini. I almost oh, watched that yeah. the other night mm-hmm. too. How weird. It must have just got added to a streaming service. Yeah, okay. it's been on, I think it's on Hulu maybe. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, that's why I watched it It's, you know, I there's a photo of Justin and I mimicking the poster back in 2013 <laughs> when it came out. But, and so I never watched it and I just, you know, it was floating. I watched it and it's just really real about just what you're talking about, Jen. I'm just like the, the sort of acknowledgement of like, you know, yeah, we're getting older, but at the same time, you know, we're realistic about the passion of things. And the movie does a really good job. And what I imagine King's trying to get at here in this passage and that the two of them are just like, they're acknowledging the the weight of the situation, uh, pun intended, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're finding the beauty in it too at the same time. And I don't know. I, I think and this the passion humor does a good job that. And the humor. The awkwardness yeah. that is every sexual encounter that you yeah. ever mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Especially the way. first time with a new person, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's never I think 50 of... Shades of Grey. It's always no. Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> like, it's even not like, cool. <laughs> I, I, there's a line in Dogma with uh, Alan Rickman when he talks about how like oh it's sex is a joke to all of us and all but i'm and i'm i'm pretty sure it's a joke to most of people down here as well and like i always thought about that cuz it's it does feel like if you looked at it as an outsider especially if you're aliens it would seem like the weirdest thing in the world yeah. to be like mm-hmm. what are these two people fucking doing <laughs> like, all of it like, like the courting the dating the yeah. like everything mm-hmm. leading up to it too yeah it's it's just one big joke so have fun yeah. <laughs> it's it's bizarre yeah. those hormones you know they're they're powerful things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. <laughs> All right, well, let's spin spin the bottle again. I'm going to be singing Juliana Hatfield for the next week. Love um, that song. I do too. Um, 
I'm not going to tell the story about listening to it in a church fan, though. Okay. Dan, <laughs> what is your next uh, passage? All right. So should I start off with a funny one that would that would probably be put in pound cake, like the section on the podcast? Or should I start off with one that's more effective and kind of disturbing and we maybe wouldn't put it in pound cake? Do you know what I mean? Like, I have a, yeah. g- a good one and a bad one, I, I think. Hey, you uh, keep it light. Keep it light at yeah, first. Yeah, let's do right? a light okay. one. All right. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me pull up my huge ass... Um, First edition copy of Under the Dome. Now, once again, I know we've not gotten to this book yet. Um, I don't think this will spoil anything. I'll just give you a general rundown of of what happens. Um, I think I can even say the the characters' names. No one. This is. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like no death. death. We'll be all right. No. Yeah. So essentially, in um in this scene, there's a vacationing couple, uh, an old man and his graduate assistant, and uh, they're in. Paradise Cabin for the weekend, and uh, and and uh, an antagonist of the novel, um, and his his buddies break down the door um, to to uh, sort of quarantine them. I won't go into why, but that that doesn't matter. All you need to know is that there's a um, an old man is and a sexy graduate assistant uh, spending a weekend together. I'm gonna jump around a bit. It's like a few different spots on a couple different pages. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> All right, so this is just describing their situation. They had come here for a long fall foliage weekend, but most of the foliage they had admired since Friday afternoon had been of the pubic variety. <laughs> that's, that's a little way to start off. Um, so this is uh, <laughs> this is after um, the uh, the antagonist and his boys all uh, <laughs> all break in, um, and uh, oh, and the both these characters are naked too. So they're naked. They <laughs> get busted in on by the the bad guys. Junior was eyeing the equipment. Oh, wait, no, I actually need to start a little bit over. Okay. Thurston. Thurston's the professor. Thurston snatched up the baggie, baggie of weed, held it behind his back, and dropped it into the sink. Junior was eyeing the equipment this move revealed. That's about the longest and skinniest dork ola I've ever seen, he said. He looked tired and came by to look honestly. He uh, had only two hours sleep. Um, so, yeah, just like I, I, it's actually a pretty disturbing scene for the most part. But it's funny to me that they're like saying words like Dorkola in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. It feels, uh, <laughs> feels very Kingian. Yeah, it's um, a very King word. <laughs> so uh, so this is after Thurston has uh, th- uh, disposed of the weed he has. OK, with the dope in the sink, he now used one hand to cover his privates or at least tried to. His love machine was indeed extremely long and skinny. <laughs> It just, it's just such, I, I think what King is doing is trying to maybe give this guy like adjust the power balance a little bit. Like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe these guys are jealous of this old man with a huge dong. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I just feel like it, it doesn't uh, doesn't quite work. Oh, and then also too, when um, when uh, they burst into <laughs> they burst into the room and they see these two naked people, one of the bullies says. Check it out, June's Frank DeLep said. It's when horny met slutty. Which is just like <laughs> a bad, some bad pun. And uh, anyway. Um, okay, cool. So uh sorry, so now they're they're like kind of harassing this uh, this old guy. Um he took a long step forward and punched the current guest editor of Plowshares in the gut. Thurston made a hoarse wolfing sound, doubled over, staggered, almost kept his feet, went to his knees, and vomited up about a teacup's worth of thin white gruel that still smelled of brie. That writing, the writing's not bad there. It's just showing all that this guy is going through, which uh, mm. becomes important in a minute. I like these, the editor of Plowshares, too, because I wonder if King, like, I feel like King wouldn't like Plowshares because it's like a hoity toity literary magazine. So maybe mm-hmm. he's taking the piss out of that. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. <laughs> and so the old guy's on the ground, he's just vomited. Um, he's trying to crawl toward his girlfriend. 
Thurston had reached Carolyn. He got to his feet, farting quite loudly as he did so. <laughs> Junior and Frankie looked at each other. They tried to hold it in. They were officers of the law, after all, and couldn't. They burst out laughing simultaneously. Trombone Charlie is back in town, Frankie yelled, and they gave each other a high five. So, like, it's... <laughs> to, to me, it's like I said, I think reading the scene in totality, as you'll see when we get to the episode, it actually is a pretty effectively disturbing scene, but it's just yeah. interrupted by like, okay, they walk in on this old guy naked. His dick is so big, he can't even cover it with his hands. He They punch him and he pukes. They kick him again <laughs> and he tries to get up and farts. It's just it's just like, and then I think later on too, he even farts again when he gets like punched. So I, I and I don't know, Under the Dome is... I view it as somewhat of a satire. Like I think King is aware of the comedy in it, but I don't think he, I don't know if he's trying to be funny in that scene. But yeah, that I can't like get through that that whole section without uh, without cracking up. Have any of you guys Rothman's I know read Under the Dome? Have the, yeah. Ashley yep. and Jen have you read it before? Yeah, yeah. I love Under yeah. the Dome. Yeah. I forgot no, I, about that scene though. I did yeah. too. He, he, yeah, that was. He's not even um. They're not even like major characters or anything. It's mm. just, I mean, no. he, you know, it's a big ensemble book. So you meet yeah, a lot that's of, the best thing about that book is that. It's such an ensemble. It's probably my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I, I I do quite love that book, and honestly, I, I even kind of like that scene just because it's so like, I know, just imagining an old man getting beat up and being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like you do love that scene. It. We have it has been over ten years <laughs> since this book came out, and I swear to God, every time it comes up, this is the scene you always go to. Like it, you have to be on this episode to exacerbate like or to expand <laughs> upon this obsession with the scene because it's so funny. Like. I, the only reason why I remember it is because we always talk about it. And because I think we, when we first read it, we were like, hey, how about that old guy that fucking's farting his ass off when he's getting beaten off? <laughs> and it's so funny because it's like the power. There's the, like he is like laid low in this scene after like probably exerting his like authority to get mm-hmm. this young girl in bed. So that's it's the a other thing that's weird. Of, you know, yeah, because King's painting it kind of like this wholesome relationship. It is like, you know, I, I hadn't gone to grad school yet when I read this. And having now gone I'd be like ooh yeah that wouldn't fly with a, if, if like if the professor is taking away his graduate research assistant for the weekend um, yeah. so maybe he deserves it uh, but but um, <laughs> yeah I don't know I just it's just so funny to me like the the moments that punctuate and it's not like oh this scene's really disturbing I need to lighten it up it's like disturbing and then it just you know butt trumpets at you right away so um, <laughs> yeah anyway big fan of that scene excited to discuss it more once we get to I wonder if it's in CBS All Access or no CBS's version of the of Under the Dome I, I, I've watched the first season I don't recall <laughs> any of that happening but is, uh, he even, is that character in, in the show oh, I, I, I know remember. nothing it's about been, the show it's remember. been so long all I remember is it has sex gifs Hank in it as the as yeah. big, big Jim Rennie um, so. what was he in he, he was in something that I was going to Rewatched the other day, like an '80s movie. I can't remember, but uh, under the, the series two, he's not. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff in yeah. the uh, '80s. Uh, the show is not very good, right? No, it's not good. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of two miserable shows that we're going to be having to cover <laughs> this year, tied to King's Dominion. So yeah, it's golden stuff. years all over again. Yeah, it? yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, I have one that is a little on the grosser side, also. Um. And it's from Cujo. Oh, and you know, which is not really known for its sex scenes, um, and that's because I don't think it really has any, but it does have a solo sex scene. Oh, so um, this is oh. Steve. <laughs> this is Steve Kemp, who is Donna Trent's lover, and she had, and we have already read this book, so apologies for spoiling. Um, 
But she has broken off their relationship, and he's real mad about it. So she and Tad are, I believe they're trapped in the car at this point, although I'm not sure anybody knows about it yet. It's been a while since I've read this. But, okay. So he's rampaging through the house. The gravy boat went, the big serving platter, the Sears radio tape player went on the floor with a heavy crunch. Steve Kemp danced on it. He boogied on it. His penis, hard as stone, throbbed inside his pants. The vein in the center of his forehead throbbed in counterpoint. He discovered booze under the small chromium sink in the corner. He yanked out half the three-quarters full bottles by the arm load and then flung them at the closed door of the kitchen closet one by one, throwing them overhand as hard as he could. The next day, his right arm would be so stiff and sore he could barely be able to to lift it to the shoulder. Soon the blue closet door was running with Gilby's gin, Jack Daniels, J&B whiskey, sticky green creme de menthe, the amaretto that had been a Christmas present from Roger and Althea Breakstone, glass twinkled benignly in the hot afternoon sunlight pouring through the windows over the sink. Steve tore into the laundry room where he found boxes of bleach, spick and span, downy fabric softener and a large blue plastic bottle, less oil top job and three kinds of powdered detergent. He ran back and forth through the kitchen like a lunatic New Year's Eve celebrant pouring these cleaning products everywhere. He had just entered the last carton, an economy sized box of Tide that had been all most full when he saw the message scrawled on the note minder in Donna's unmistakably spiky handwriting. Tad and I have gone to Jay Camber's garage with Pinto. Back soon. That brought him back to the realities of the situation with a bang. He had already been here half an hour at least, maybe longer. The time had passed in a red blur, and it was hard to peg any more closely than that. How long had she been gone when he came in? Who had the nope and left for? Anybody who might pop in or someone specific? He had to get out of here. But there was one thing he had to do first. <laughs> he erased the message on the note minder with one swipe of his sleeve and wrote in large block letters, I left something for you upstairs, baby. He took the stairs two by two and came into their bedroom, which was to the left of the second floor landing. He felt terribly pressed now, almost positive that the doorbell was going to ring or someone, another happy housewife most likely, would poke her head in the back door and call as he had, hi, anybody home? But perversely, that added the final spice of excitement to this happening. He unbuckled his belt, jerked his fly down, and let his jeans drop around his knees. He wasn't wearing underpants. He rarely did. His cock stood out stiffly from a mass of reddish gold pubic hair. It didn't take long. He was too excited. Two or three quick jerks through his closed fist and orgasm came, immediate and savage. He spat semen onto the bedspread in a convulsion. He yanked his jeans back up, raked the zipper closed, almost catching the head of his penis in the zipper's small gold teeth that would have been a laugh all right and ran for the door buckling his belt again i uh, what kills me and i think we talk about this on the episode i'm pretty sure we do is that he's like he's already coming because he's so excited like oh my god this is so much fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i skipped a part earlier where we were talking about how hard he was just what a fucking sicko (laughs) oh i know it's so gross i I can't believe he didn't because he gets caught at the end of the novel, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure. He does, yeah, because they think that he has kidnapped them or killed mm-hmm. them or something. Yeah, yeah the, it's so funny to me that he... Did he not think he was going to get caught doing that? That just seems so... Like, there's only one person it could have been, you know what I mean? Like, she would have known as, as soon as he did. Yeah. I think he was going to leave town. I think he had packed I think all you're right. Yeah. Like a, he, was he, he like a cabinet maker? Or like a furniture maker or something he like was, that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and like a tennis pro cabinet. Like, just a... Cad, you know, just a guy, a tennis pro. Because even, <laughs> even when Donna's or like, you know, kind of placate like Vic after admitting everything that happened, she's like, "Oh no, he already has a for sale sign up and everything. He's going to be gone. You know, you think he's a drifter and what have you." 
Yeah, I, it's funny when you mentioned Cujo because I flipped through the book. I, I actually did some homework for this episode, all right, as we always do in the Losers Club. But I, I like took books out and Sam was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm looking for sex scenes and um, like like a nightmare, ra- or like like a rabid uh, St. Bernard, if anything. And I, I was flipping through Cujo and I, they're, the sex scenes are very odd because it's this mm-hmm. fraught relationship. And I, I could have sworn that there were more sex scenes with Steve and there's not. Like, yeah. I, that's so bizarre to me. Like, it's like, it's a, they had this whole affair and nothing really, you know, is shown for it. I feel like the movie embellishes it a little bit more. I think so. It's like a really angry book, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I love it, but it's not like feel goody. You know, I feel like that yeah. scene is kind of like an encapsulation of what a lot of the feeling of that book is. You know, it's just like a lot of rage and a lot of like release and fear and destruction and, you know. I just think the two or three pumps is really funny to me. Just like it's literally like <laughs> <"D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-
you know, yeah. I just feel like it's people, people call it out in a way that's almost equivalent to like, oh my God, aren't the Kardashians so stupid? <laughs> you know, right. it's just, it's so, well, like Britney Spears, the, the Britney, oh, the fucking reality, oh, dumb pop Britney music, Britney reality. Wrong. Yeah, like it, it just, it feels like very, um, it's like on the level with Stephen King writes bad endings. It's like, yeah, that's the yeah. most like, like pedestrian theory of King. Yeah. At yeah. this point, you know, we all say as people who are like completely immersed in his work. So sometimes I, I have to remind myself, like, not everyone has read as much as, as we have and talked about it at this length. Yeah, but still. But I agree. It's like, I didn't even think about that one because I feel like we've talked about it so much, you know? But, yeah, the, the, the ending thing. I mean, I've harped on this before, but I could really only think of one example, and it's one we haven't gotten to yet. And, like, that's it. I mean, I, I right, it's really hard exactly. for me to, like, find, like, it's, like, the way that it's out there is this assumed thing, so much so that it's a fucking meta joke in It, too, uh-huh. or It Chapter 2. I, I, you know, we've been covering them for five or, or, six or six or seven years. I still can't, I could only think of this one example personally. So, and that's us being, yeah, we are immersed into it, but we're also incredibly critical. So, I just yeah. think that's shenanigans. I call shenanigans on that entire bullshit thing. Oh, I do too. My my cousin who is in high school said that at Thanksgiving, and it was all I could do not to launch into like a you twenty like, pro up. Dis- like, <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. uh, don't don't like, don't no, no, start no. her. Yeah. Let me get the whiteboard out. Yeah. Corey's just like, all right, pump the brakes. He's like, uh, he's like, I saw them make fun of Stephen King on Family Guy, and he yeah, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> just sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, shut up, kid. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, he wouldn't listen. No, he's not listening. What, he's like a member of the Patreon. Just like, you know, yeah, this whole time he didn't realize it was yeah. me. Oh well. Uh, um. <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, you want to read one? Okay. So I'll throw it out to you all. Should I do one that's uh, a little smutty, or should I do one that's really like serious and uh, and near to heart? Where do you think we are right now? Do we think we need a little bit more uh, severity, or do we want something um a little sexual? Um. Well, we just talked about a guy rage jizzing all over yeah. a bedspread, so maybe let's like. Reel it back into romance. A little okay. Bit. Good, good, good. Okay. So mine comes from my favorite book by Stephen Aww. King, Aww. The Dead Zone. Um, I I really talked at great lengths about this scene on the episode, which you could hear. Uh, we recorded our first season in 2017. This is a scene between Johnny Smith and Sarah. And it's on page 296. If you're looking at the, what is it? The pocketbooks edition, which has such a lame cover, just an absolutely lame cover. It's just like, it looks like, a, it looks like yeah, a, stain, it. a stained album from 2000. Like, <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. not great. Oh my God. It's a, yeah. it's a very screaming. 90s cover. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Okay. So uh, basically Sarah's come over. Uh, they, it's exactly what you see in the David Cronenberg uh, movie. So if you're familiar with the movie, not so much the book, it's it's almost very similar. But Sarah's come over with the child and she's put the child to sleep. Look at him, Sarah said, nodding toward Denny. He was sitting in the grass by Vera Smith's ivy trellis, his thumb in his mouth, looking at them sleepily. She got his car bed out of the Pinto's back seat. Will he be okay on the porch? She asked Johnny. It's so mild. I'd like to have him nap in the fresh air. He'll be fine on the porch, Johnny said. She set the bed in the shade, popped him into it, and pulled the blanket, two blankets up to his chin. Sleep, baby, Sarah said. He smiled at her and promptly closed his eyes. Just like that, Johnny asked. Just like that, she agreed. She stepped close to him and put her arms around his neck. Quite clearly, he could hear the faint rustle of her slip beneath her dress. I'd like you to kiss me, she said calmly. I've waited five years for you to kiss me again, Johnny. He put his arms around her waist and kissed her gently. Her lips parted. Oh, Johnny, she said against his neck. I love you. I love you too, Sarah. Where do you go? She asked, stepping away from him. 
Her eyes were as clear and dark as emeralds now. Where? Next chapter. He spread the faded army blanket, which was old but clean, on the straw of the second loft. The smell was fragrant and sweet. High above them, there was a mysterious, mysterious coo and flutter of the barn swallows, and then they settled back down again. There was a small, dusty window which looked down on the house and porch. Sarah wiped a clean place on the glass and looked down at Denny. It's okay? Johnny asked. Yes, better here than in the house. That would have been like, she shrugged, making my dad a part of it. Yes, this is between us. Our business. Our business, she agreed. She lay on her stomach. Her face turned to one side on the faded blanket, her legs bent at the knee. She pushed her shoes off one by one. Unzip me, Johnny. He knelt beside her and pulled the zipper down. The sound was loud in the stillness. Her back was the color of coffee with cream against the whiteness of her slip. He kissed her between the shoulder blades and she shivered. Sarah, he murmured. What? I have to tell you something. What? The doctor made me a mistake during one of those operations and gelded me. She punched him on the shoulder. Same old Johnny. And you had a friend once who broke his neck on the crack the whip at the Topsham Fair. Sure, he said. Her hand touched him like silk, moving gently up and down. It doesn't feel like they did anything terminal to you, she said. Her luminous eyes searched his. Not at all. Shall we look and see? There was the sweet smell of the hay. Time spun out. There was the rough feel of the army blanket, the smooth feel of her flesh, the naked reality of her. Sinking into her was like sinking into an old dream that had never been quite forgotten. Oh, Johnny, my dear. Her voice in rising excitement, her hips moving in a quickening tempo. Her voice was far away. The touch of her hair was like fire on his shoulder and chest. He plunged his face deeply into it, losing himself in that dark blonde darkness. Time spinning out in the sweet smell of hay. The rough textured blanket, the sound of the old barn creaking gently like a ship in the October wind. Mild white light coming in through the roof chinks, catching notes, catching motes of chaff in half a hundred pencil thin sunbeams. Motes of chaff dancing and revolving. She cried out. At some point, she cried out his name again and again and again, like a chant. Her fingers dug into him like spurs, rider and ridden. Old wine decanted at last, a fine vintage. Later, they sat up by the window, looking out into the yard. Sarah slipped her dress on over her bare flesh and left him for a little bit. He sat alone, not thinking, content to watch her reappear in the window, smaller, and cross the yard to the porch. She bent over the baby bed and readjusted the blankets. She came back the wind blowing her hair out behind her and tugging playfully at the hem of her dress. He'll sleep another half hour, she said. Willie? Johnny smiled. Maybe I will too. She walked her bare toes across his belly. You better not. And so again, and this time she was on top, almost in an attitude of prayer, her head bent, her, head swing, her hair swinging forward and obscuring her face slowly, and then it was over. Sarah? No, Johnny. Better not say it. Time's up. I was going to say it. You're beautiful. Am I? You are, he said softly. Dear Sarah, do we put paid to everything? She asked him. Johnny smiled. Sarah, we did the best we could. And that's Aww. that's like for me it's such ultimate. A good scene. Just it's not you know smutty. It's not gratuitous. It's just there's some. I mean, there's some lines in there just about you know me. I love the elements, and when he brings yeah. the elements in there, especially autumnal elements, <laughs> you're gonna win me over. And he had him in there, so. Hey, Dead Zone, DZ, Discovery Zone, Dead Zone, best, best book. <laughs> Love it. Love that book. I really read that. I keep meaning to, and I just haven't. Yeah. That's so such good. a good passage, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's so like capturing this like lost love, you know? And it's like, you know, when you break up with someone and like you run into them like a couple of years later and you're like, well, 
we can make it work, you know? And then you try to date them and it's terrible, but like they just have this one perfect afternoon and it's like you just, you get just like a taste of what it could have been, but then yeah. you like move on. And you're like, you then know? let's get out of this before the bad stuff inevitably happens. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Just crushing yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the movie well, scene is great too. Like they really do capture that well. Um, yeah. And I think he places it on Christmas um, in that scene in the movie. And it, it just is as natural as that's that passage. And it's really yeah. well done. But uh, your accent was nice. It was a little walk in. It was great. Like, when, when you do reread, because it's one of your favorites, when you do reread the dead zone, do you picture Christopher Walken? Yeah, that uh, unfortunately, yeah. It w- it's weird because I was a huge fan of uh, TV show also in 2002. Oh, and that's, Michael Hall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was when I first uh, read it because I had I'd always loved the movie, but um, with the show coming out, I was like, all right, I want to finally read it. And I like loved it. And then rereading it again in 2017, I ha- I, I definitely saw um, Walk-In just because it's so imprinted in my mind now at this point. It's great but, casting, though, too. I yeah. think he, he does yeah. a great job. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's funny is that's actually like the prologue to Antichrist because <laughs> that movie begins with Gee, yeah. a baby being left while the parents are fucking. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love Sorry, it. spoilers. I, I watched. Actually, uh, I actually haven't seen it. That's that movie. Oh, that's good. I, I I watched Antichrist and Apocalypto in one night back to back. I remember it was yeah. It felt kind of sad it's afterwards, a, but <laughs> it's a real heavy <laughs> yeah. evening. Yeah, it was. Just by myself Mel. at home too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Matt. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a lot, but I mean, both good. I, I like both those movies quite a bit. Yeah, let's pitch it through the ringer, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, Ashley, would you care to read another one? Yeah, I have. I'll save my romantic one. I'm gonna go all the way back to I believe it was Skeleton Crew. Um, Ooh. mine is The Raft. The Raft is a <laughs> nice. short story I saw on screen first in Creepshow Two, and oh, read wow. many years later when I got around to reading The Skeleton Crew. It's a much scarier story, I think, than it is a short in the movie. But also at the same time, nothing was scarier than Creepshow Two's The Raft when I was in fifth grade. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm wrong. That might have been the story we voted was the scariest of his first three collections. I think that might have been our number one. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's up there. Definitely. The short story, I, I, you know, had reread it because I. The reason I chose this is because I remember there. Well, I'll, I'll kind of explain the difference between the short story sex and the uh, short film sex. But I remember there being some like weird sex situations in the short. So then I was like, I'm going to go back and reread The Raft because I'm pretty sure there's sex in that. And boy, was I mm-hmm. right. So yeah, <laughs> I've now, okay, I've never been in a life or death situation. I've specifically never been trapped on a raft in October while a lake creature circles waiting to eat me in what I can only describe as the most excruciating way possible. So I can't say for sure that I wouldn't be in the mood for sex, but if I was a betting (laughs) woman, (laughs) I'm willing to bet all the money in the world that I wouldn't be. But having said that, um, this scene takes place, for anyone who has not read The Raft, um, the two remaining characters who haven't been slowly digested are holding each other close on The Raft to stay warm. And here we go. I'm freezing, Randy. I'm numb all over. I can't do anything about it. Hold me, she said. You've got to. We'll hold each other. We can both sit down and watch it together. 
He debated, but the cold sinking into his own flesh was now bone deep, and that decided him. Okay. They sat together, arms wrapped around each other, and something happened. Natural or perverse, it happened. He felt himself stiffening. One of his hands found her breast, cupped in damp nylon, and squeezed. She made a sighing noise, and her hand stole to the crotch of his underpants. He slid his other hand down and found a place where there was some heat. He pushed her down on her back. No, she said, but the hand in his crotch began to move faster. I can see it, he said. His heartbeat had sped up again, pushing blood faster, pushing warmth toward the surface of his chilled bare skin. I can watch it. She murmured something, and he felt elastic slide down his hips to his upper thighs. He watched it. He slid upward, forward into her. Warmth. God, she was warm there, at least. He made a guttural noise, and her fingers grabbed at his cold, clenched buttocks. <laughs> he watched it. It wasn't moving. He watched it. He watched it closely. The tactile sensations were incredible, fantastic. He was not experienced, but neither was he a virgin. He had made love with three girls, and it had never been like this. She moaned and began to lift her hips. The raft rocked gently, like the world's hardest waterbed. The barrels underneath murmured hollowly. Um, and then from there, the sex is pretty much over because she gets eaten. But here's the thing. <laughs> so rough. It's yeah. so rough. Yeah. It's, on, it's on her face, right? It's like come up the other side so of her. So her, her hair, hair okay. has actually yeah. uh, fallen off the side of the raft in the short story in the movie. And that's kind of where I wanted to talk about it because the movie version of the scene actually makes more sense to me in that he agrees to watch the thing as she takes a nap. Mm -hmm. And he becomes distracted as she's sleeping by her boobs. So he's like fondling the sleeping woman when she begins to scream because he took his eyes off the thing and it came and got her. And that's when it's like on the side of her face because she was like laying down. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I like prefer women to get fondled while they sleep as opposed to consenting to sex. I'm just saying that in the context of the story, I didn't buy that this girl would sleep with this guy in the circumstance, especially mm -hmm. he's not that nice to her. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. remember. No, yeah. he's not yeah, very no, nice right. to yeah, her. He has like major incel energy mm -hmm. throughout the course of this story. Yeah, he's super and jealous of his like big Chad. Yeah, friend. his big like jock friend. Mm -hmm. But I did think the writing of the sex scene, despite all that, was pretty steamy. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I feel like King has a couple of instances of like trauma boners, you know? For and sure. Yeah. It's like, I, I do think it's something that might cross your mind, especially when you're wet and you want to be warm and you're in your underwear and like yeah. you're a teenager, you know, I could imagine it happening. And I do think it's, it's written well. And it's it also like was from the 70s or like 80s. So we're just not talking about that stuff in the same way. It yeah, is funny though, because you know. it's in the same collection as the Mist, or and uh, that has a similar scene. I mean, it's not as it's not as gruesome, obviously, but it's that thing of like, oh, there's this monster outside of our immediate vicinity, yeah. and we're gonna have sex. And the Mist is kind of funny because I think it's only like a day after this guy's been separated by, yeah. from his wife because of the Mist. And I, I mean, the, the Mist is incredible, obviously, but uh, yeah, just it, it's funny that it almost seems like a device or something like that, and that in Skeleton Group. Well, there's yeah, a line. when we discussed it, actually, when we discussed the mist, we all kind of came to the conclusion, all of us, that we could have kind of taken that scene out of 
it didn't yeah. add anything uh to the story it kind of took away from the protagonist a little bit because we were like wait a minute your wife though <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it's kind of weird because in the well, in adaptation like originally and i think we talked about this in the episode is that they were going to have it where they were having an affair um right and i think that was right. darabont's way of uh, like, explaining that that's why they hooked up which i kind of liked i, I, I kind of actually liked, do I, like that that's cool yeah. I, I like when mm. king does uh that the those type of stories but i I also think that it's a lot to put into a short tale. You know, it could be a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, um, a novella you, you or know, a just, short you don't need story. It. It's a lot to throw yeah. in. Yeah, but I do love yeah. the idea well, of the and danger and the sex and danger because some or sex and violence that combined because so much so often for a lot of folks, as as you mentioned, actually, it might be something like there's a line. I was watching the Assault in Precinct 13 remake uh, this week, and there's a line that Drea Damadio says uh, when she's talking to Lawrence Fishburne. Um, on the stairway, and it's just like, oh, I don't know why. Like, but all I can think about is sex or whatever. And it's like, it's like pretty ridiculous. But then he's just like, well, they're very, they're they're very uh, intertwined or whatever, sex and violence. And he gives like a whole th- thing explaining, like, I think something to do with like Greek uh, mythology or whatever. And it's so it, it's always, I feel like it's literary wise, it's been a trope for a while to be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, everything's crazy and violent. Let's have sex, <laughs> you know? Like, well, but what's the one <laughs> thing that is gonna really take your mind away from anything else? Else that you're doing it's like having an orgasm right yeah. you know like that's one of the few things other than like being in excruciating pain that really will drive away all thoughts so i mean i can i get the appeal of it you know here's here's the exact yeah. line he, he goes sex and death are very closely related the greeks called it eros and thanatos love and death oh, or God. sex is a way of <laughs> nullifying thoughts of dying uh Aww. yeah that He's was so uh smart. yeah that was like, lawrence fishburne is marion bishop in uh <laughs> What an interesting uh, reboot. Yeah, yeah. Assault on Precinct 13. I, you know, I I totally get it. I get it in the sense that adrenaline too. Like if Mm -hmm. your adrenaline's up, like obviously other hormones are going to be up as well. But in this particular situation where you literally, they're standing tippy toes on beams and then they have to like lay down to have sex. And it's just like, you couldn't fucking pay me in that moment (laughs) to lay down and not pay attention to this thing that's eaten my friends. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. This is maybe one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me, but I wrote a thing about the raft in um, Creepshow 2 like earlier last year, and I got an email response from Daniel Beers, who, Beer, oh, who's yeah. the guy who plays him. Oh, and, that's cool. And he, he, it was a little bit long of a letter, but he was specifically talking about that scene. And so he said, because I mentioned that scene in the piece I wrote, he said, during a Q&A at a horror con, I received questions on the infamous sex, more like assault scene. My take is that Randy's death at the end works because of that scene. He's not what you think he was and he gets what's coming to him. And then he talks a little bit about just kind of putting it in. um, Well, let me read the rest of it, Um, which is a theme in many horror films. Think of how the ending would have played without the assault scene. Did you know that in Hollywood films with sex, AKA love scenes sold better to foreign markets? That's why so many films, until the early 2000s had them it's a major selling point i could go on about this but i'll just say i'm glad that it has changed doing those type of scenes are terrible and awkward which made me think about like what it was like to actually film that scene you know just be like the like his creepy guy like crawling up her like chest and like lifting her shirt you know 
I feel like yeah, any right. horror movie where there's a sex scene involving water, anytime you hear about what the conditions were like on set, it's always like, oh God, it was cold. The water we was miserable. dirty. I got we sick. Were yeah, Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, Halloween 2 is like that. Like the, I think um, Pamela Susan Shoop got an ear infection because, yeah, there's this is like yeah. st- sitting water for that's freezing for however long of a time it is. So, yeah, it's always, yeah. and filming in water is hard, period, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, especially if it's a sex scene. Being sexy in water is near impossible. And just a reminder, um, it is not good to have sex in water. It is um, water is not bad. a good lubricant. It's not a good one, and it's a yeah. great way to get a UTI. So just Eesh. everybody out there, stay just like sit and on get eaten by a raft. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So stay safe out there, everybody. You know. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're Dan learning a lot in this episode. I mean, it's, That's it's great. That's true. Hey, look, I'm here for the knowledge. Yeah. You know, I want us all to have fun, good, healthy, sexy times. So, <laughs> um, Dan, you wanna you wanna do another one? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah. So th- uh, this one's interesting. It's, I went. I don't know if it's like sexy per se, but it's effective from a character standpoint. So this is the end of Carrie. Uh, so this is after everything's gone wrong with the prom, obviously, and Carrie's on her rampage. And Chris Hardinson and her boyfriend Billy. What's Billy's last name? Is it um, Madison. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Travolta. What is his name? Oh Billy Car- Nolan. Travolta. Billy Nolan. Carrie having or not Carrie. Chris Hardinson <laughs> having a sex scene with Billy Madison. Would be, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, well, shot. Uh, but um, yeah. So anyway, they so they've dumped a bucket of pig blood on her she's massacring the town. They're hearing about all this. And so they don't know what to do. And they're holed up at the, uh, the hotel room above this dive bar they go to. And what I love about the scene is I feel like it captures two people who probably hate themselves, hate fucking each other. Um, uh-huh. it's just, so, so yeah, I'll just read, uh, yeah, let me see where to, where to start. So it starts off. They're just like kind of kicking the shit out of each other. Um, and then it goes somewhere else. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I can read this whole thing. Okay. She felt a little smile come to her own face, relaxed a little, and that was when he whipped his shirt across her face and came in low, butting her in the stomach like a goat, tipping her onto the bed. The spring screamed. She pounded her fists helplessly on his back. Get off me. Get off me, you fucking greaseball. Get off me. He was grinning at her, and with one quick hard yank, her zipper was broken, her hips free. Call your daddy, he was grunting. That what you gonna do, huh, huh? That old Chucky called big old legal beagle daddy, huh? I would have done it to you, you know that? I would have dumped it all over your fucking squash, you know that, huh? No pig blood, pig for pigs, right? Right in your motherfucking squash, you... She had suddenly ceased to resist. He paused, staring down at her, and uh, and she had an odd smile on her face. You wanted it this way all along, didn't you, you miserable little scumbag? That's right, isn't it, you creepy little one-nut, low-cock, dinkless wonder? His grin was slow, crazed. It doesn't matter. No, she said. It doesn't. Her smile suddenly vanished. The cords on her neck stood out as she hawked back and spit in his face. They descended into a red, thrashing unconsciousness. And there's something about that last sentence mm-hmm. that, like, it's almost verging, it's like verging on assault the whole time and then it just becomes them giving up and just like hate fucking each other and that that the line about descending into red unconsciousness has always stuck with me and i feel like sums up those characters so well um and, it, and of course obviously uh the next scene they're in is when carrie finds them and uh <laughs> just <laughs> destroys and, the oh just yeah like puts the end <laughs> to their miserable life but man that scene yeah. always so yeah so not like pound like i wouldn't put it in pound cake on the episode just because i think it's there's nothing funny about that scene at all. It's just, it's very, right. um, you know, disturbing. But hey, it's King. It's kind of funny because 
as much as we make fun of King sometimes for how he writes about sex, I feel like that's one side to how he writes about sex. And then he actually can yeah. use it as a means of character development and establishing intensity and showing the inner workings of a character's psychology. He could also use it to be romantic and deepen the bond between people as this is the case with the dead zone. So, you know, um, so anyone out there who gives us a hard time for critiquing King and his, uh, uh, Dorkenheimers or whatever he said in Under the Dome. Like I feel like he all, he he actually is pretty versatile when it comes to writing about sex. So yeah, that's my well. And even just in the scenes that we've chosen so far, like they're they're so diverse. Mm-hmm. Like we've got yeah. really tender, loving moments. We've got two people at each other's throats, hate fucking. We've got you know a life or death situation. We've got a guy masturbating on a bed. Like there's so many different <laughs> like. <laughs> Scenes in which like sex happens, it's not necessarily, you know, silly. Yeah. It's not all piss and farts. There is piss and fart because I feel like it's just a representation of like the spectrum of sexuality and like sexuality over the course of a lifetime, yeah. too. You know, no one had, I, I don't think any of us. Does anyone have road work on here? I just, I just, oh, it just came. Right. I'm not going to read it, but I, I, it just came to. I'm like, oh god, I can't believe I didn't pick road work. Um, the just a little. There's, there's road work. Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. A little foley work that captures the essence of that scene. Love um, it. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And that last sentence, I did remember that one. Um, and I think it just really captures the hatred in that, but that side of the passion, you know, because, you know, we've all had people we didn't like, but it was real good, you know, and so you just kind of hang on until you can't stand them anymore, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. or somebody like uses their telekinetic powers to crash your car and kill you. Um, well, my next one is actually from Carrie too, and it is um, with Sue. The rage, and- the rage. Oh, Carrie that's what I thought at first too. I'm like, oh wow, the yeah. rage. No, because there's oh, a there great some- sex scene in that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's one of the Londons, isn't it? Yeah, and it's on mm. film, and it gets played right, at the party. Oh, that's right. You're totally right. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's. I feel like it's nice it's in rough. the moment, and then has some troubling consequences yeah. after. Uh, um, that movie fucking slaps. And I, I will I defend it. It's to the good. End. It's mm-hmm. it, it's yep. a very fun movie. I think this is back in the insane days where we talked about the film adaptations in the same episodes as the book, <laughs> which I can't believe we did that. But so for Night Shift, <laughs> I think we we did for Night Shift, which is idiotic. But um, we each took a different movie, and I had carried to the rage, and I thought it was going to be really boring and you know a slog. And it, well, I mean, it, it's not like an amazingly crafted movie, but it's really fun, and it's yeah. '90s in the best way. Pop, like the CDs yeah. getting launched. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, that's, Guy gets yeah, his so. dick cut off with a harpoon. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I really incredible. Like ten out of ten. Well, my scene. I'm sorry, it's from Carrie also as well. Yeah. Uh, as well, <laughs> um, and it's with Sue and Tommy. So I feel like at some point, you know, we're going to be talking about characters later on um, in future episodes. And I would love to really compare Tommy and Sue with Billy and uh, Chris, because I think they're just like polar opposites of like high school relationships. So this is from the day, this is a twofer. So I'm going to read, I'm going to skip a little bit in the middle, but this is one of their dates. So they're in the back, I think they're in the back of his car. Okay. So it's Sue and Tommy on page 45. When they had finished making love, as she slowly put her clothes on in order, put her clothes in order in the back seat of Tommy Ross's 1963 Ford, Sue Snell found her thoughts turning back to Carrie White. It was Friday night, and Tommy, who was looking pensively out the back window with his pants still down around his ankles, the effect was comic but oddly endearing. 
had taken her bowling. That, of course, was a mutually accepted excuse. Fornication had been on their minds from the word go. She had been going out more or less steadily with Tommy ever since October. It was May now, and they had been lovers for only two weeks. Seven times, she amended. Tonight had been the seventh. There had been no fireworks yet, no bands playing Stars and Stripes forever, but it had gotten a little bit better. The first time had hurt like hell. Her girlfriends, Helen Shires and Jean Galt, had both done it, and they both assured her that it only hurt for a minute, like getting a shot of penicillin, penicillin, and then it was roses. But for Sue, the first time had been like being reamed out with a hoe handle. Tommy had confessed to her since with a grin that he had gotten the rubber on wrong, too. Tonight was only the second time she had begun to feel something like pleasure, and then it was over. Tommy had held out for as long as he could, but then it was just over. It seemed like an awful lot of rubbing for little warmth. In the <laughs> aftermath, she felt low and melancholy, and her thoughts turned to Carrie in the slight. A wave of remorse caught her with all emotional guards down, and when Tommy turned back from the view of Brickyard Hill, she was crying. Hey, he said, alarmed. Oh, hey, he held her clumsily. It's all right, she said, still weeping. It's not you. I did a not-so-good thing today. I was just thinking about it. So what she had done that day was the incident in the bathroom that yeah. starts the novel. And so they talk about that, and they talk about bullying a little bit, and like Tommy talks about like this kid um, that he picked on when he was little. And then... And then they get horny again. And she says, so this is skipping to page 51. Don't, she said, her mouth suddenly full of a dark, sweet horror. She pulled him to her. Love me. My head is so bad tonight. Love me. Love me. So he loved her. And this time it was different. This time there finally seemed to be room. And there was no tiresome rubbing, but a delicious friction that went up and up. Twice he had to stop, panting and held himself back. And then he went again. He was a virgin before me and admitted it. I would have believed a lie and went hard and her breath came in short digging gasps. And then she began to yell and hold at his back, helpless to stop sweating. The bad taste washed away. Every cell seeming to have its own climax, body filled with sunlight, musical notes in her mind, butterflies behind her skull in the cage of her mind. Later on the way home, he asked her formally if she would go to the spring ball with him. She said she would. He asked her if she decided what to do about Carrie. She said she hadn't. He said that it made no difference, but she thought that it did. It had begun to seem that it meant all the difference. So I just love those two, like, times. Because one, like, that's that's pretty accurate for what yeah. it feels like when you're first, you're first starting to figure everything out you know mm -hmm. and I just love like you build it up so much in your head and then when it happens mm -hmm. you're like wait that was that exactly. was it that was what I was so fucking worried about right so and it's long. like what we were talking about with uh Bill Hodges it's like I wish that like we didn't we didn't build it up and we didn't romanticize it so much because like then one people would know a little bit more just what to do and how to make it good you know yeah. but I feel like especially for girls like there's such a just a premium put on just whether you've done it or not that mm -hmm. you don't ever talk about like what, what it actually it is, is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and how to do it and, I mean that's from the girl's side but I just yeah. I love that like depiction of high school love and figuring out what sex is together you know yeah I mean I think that's one of the reasons why he was so successful I mean I, I think that the realism of Carrie shines through in mm -hmm. a way that it probably wouldn't um, you know, in less delicate hands. I mean, I think, you know, we, we talk so much about the origins of, of him as a writer and so much of the reason why he threw it away was because he felt he wasn't going to be able to write the character, right? He didn't feel he didn't have mm -hmm. the point of view and like, you know, Tabby ultimately pushed him and he was like, no, 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 you should do this. You should do this and, and helped him, um, you know, getting it to the side. And I, 
and you read sections like that and you're like, wow, he really did either A, did his homework or B, did some soul searching. And uh-huh. there are certainly some, I don't know, it's just for, for it's the 70s is an era where, ever, where I feel like realism really petered through in pop culture in ways mm-hmm. it never had before. Um, and it certainly had been kind of progressing that way because uh, you look at later films in the 60s, especially something like, you know, Night of Living Dead, in which they're really grappling with a sort of the type of violence that seems commonplace now, but at the time was very uh, avant-garde and progressive. And you look at this novel and it's kind of treating teens in a way that I feel we don't even get today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's almost like we've ba- we're back to that sort of sensationalized way um, where it's a little glossy and you probably d- blame Disney for that. But yeah. Or um, you think of something like Riverdale where yeah. they're mm. having these like orgies and it's like yeah. in what fucking <laughs> yeah. world? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sex is not good until you're like 35. <laughs> right. Exactly. Did you see, uh, did you guys watch the I Know What You Did Last Summer uh, series, the TV series? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, I felt like it started off good and then just got, went totally off the rails. But it is funny. Because, and I know these are rich kids that, yeah, probably have a different adolescence than I did. But yeah, it's that same thing, actually. It's like they're all. Like everyone's bisexual, everyone's having threesomes yeah. all the time. Everyone's and it and not only through, but like it's all awesome. There's like <laughs> three orgies awesome. in the fr- yeah. It's just it's mm. very like um yeah. I no don't know. One it, comes it, immediately and ruins the party. Like right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's just funny. And once again, I'm not I'm not saying that there are no high schoolers who are living that life, but I. I don't think that's the majority of no. the population at most high schools. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's I'm a square. It's not mine. Well, and it's like euphoria. I mean, yeah, euphoria is certainly of that. Yeah. But what I love about euphoria is I think it shows like the reality of that, that like a lot of times, like what the guy thinks is good or what one yeah. partner thinks is good. The other one is just kind of going along with to not hurt their feelings. And like, it just feels a lot more real. I did like the, I know what you did last summer remake, but yeah, the sex is very like, what? Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's, very, and it's to like see right all away. these hot teens do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always weird too. When it's a high school oh, I know. show, yeah. and and obviously the actors are always like twenty five, but right yeah. when you actually yeah, think I'm, about it, you're like, oh, these are like children, <laughs> right? I'm reminding myself <laughs> that they were twenty five because there was one scene that I rewound a couple of times because it was because <laughs> <that's laughs> you liked it. <laughs> it, was, it was Dirty dog. <laughs> I mean, you know, y'all all know who I am at this point. Yeah, we definitely don't want Euphoria to continue with all of its sexy cast, like, you know. Uh, oh, Jake no, absolutely Bilardi not. Or, you know, Jacob Sydney Bilardi Sweeney. should never be in anything yeah, ever again. definitely don't want to see more of Euphoria at this point. Oh, my God. Um, I'm so excited for the new uh, season. Whew, yeah. But also terrified because my daughter is going into middle school next year. Oh, so oh fun. You get to think. My th- yeah. God. I just got HBO Max, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, cool. so she's going to watch like, Euphoria and be like, why is isn't my life more like this? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but like you can't leave the house. You're, yeah. you're just done. You're virtual school now. Uh, um, oh well. All right. Um, speaking of my horror, I don't know where I was going with that, but let's talk about some horror sex scenes. Mike, do you want to read one? I know yeah. you have one on your list that we've already mentioned. Well, splish splash. Uh, <laughs> going to be taking a bath. Oh, I know. Next one. I know I, uh, this is when we first announced this. I'm pretty sure we had four or five replies that immediately went to this because I feel like this, well, no, I guess the dead zone was that, but this was one where it still is very sexual and overtly sexual, but we were all like, yeah, he got it. He nailed it. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from pet cemetery. It's on page 80 
on uh, the original paperback. Now, I want to be very careful reading this because this is my signed paper uh, back from Stephen King, which I didn't realize until today. Uh, Caffrey, I believe you were there. This was there's the Stephen King FSU at Ruby Diamond. Um, right? Ruby Diamond. Oh, were you is there? This or did thanks you... for the nightmares. No, yeah, this is thanks for the nightmares. You were, so, you got taught by him though in this class, right? Or... Yeah. So no, I, I actually wasn't there. I, this is a uh, not to flex, but um, <laughs> so my teacher Juliana Baggett at the time is an awesome fiction writer uh, who's since gone to do some really cool film stuff. She was my teacher, and at FSU. Um, unlike a lot of universities, the faculty that teaches undergrads is the same that teaches the grad students. And so when I told my mom that Stephen King was coming, she and my mom's like an education guru just knows a lot about that. She's like, you should ask your teachers if Stephen King is doing some, you know, private thing just for the grad students. And I was like, why would he do that? Which now having gone to grad school, I'm like, yeah, of course he, he was. Right. And so I asked Juliana Baggett after class, I'm like, Hey, it's like, is there like a, a separate thing that he, that Stephen King is uh, doing? And she was like, come to this room at this time and don't tell him what I told you. And, and so, yeah, it was literally just a small classroom. I got to, he came in and did, did a Q and a with us and I got to watch him, um, which was great. I think I, I couldn't go to the Ruby diamond one for rehearsal or something. I think that's why my mom told me. And I do remember like Juliana Baggett was like, when, when you get there, just like, don't say anything to anyone. It's all going to be grad students. You know, they can get weird about stuff. And so I was there and everyone was cool for the most part, but there was like one student I remember who was like, who are you? And like, was just really grilling me. And I was like, so afraid mm-hmm. I was going to get kicked out. Um, but I did not. And he, uh, yeah, it was a great talk. Um, it, it was still pretty wild. Like him walking into the room. It's funny because I feel like not so much anymore, but this was during the time when I think a lot of graduate programs or academics maybe scoffed a little bit at Stephen King. and That's very scolded to me. No, I mean, exactly. Yeah. But, which is hilarious because as soon as he walked in the room, everyone was like, Ugh. like you could feel the air get <laughs> yeah. sucked out of the room. Not because he was, in, he was super nice and generous at this time. And I mean, you guys have, yeah, uh, he's been on the podcast. We know what he's like. He, he wasn't at all like a jerk or intimidating or anything, but it was just funny to me. I'm like, Oh, these same students who are always like trashing him or whatever still get starstruck by him oh, when he yeah. walks in there. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to flex by that, but that's so that's no, so I did not go awesome. Ruby Diamond, but yeah, that, I was in the class. No, I was I was just kind of blown away because I've been I've been I've been going back to this era because uh, this weekend we're we're gonna be doing our book episode in Cell, and I he read I Cell right and he, during he, that. Well, he read the short story that influenced that would go on to influence Duma Key. So it was like the one that had just that was about to be published that eventually was going to uh, kind of form. It's basically the seeds for Duma Key. Um, I Is don't it remember Gingerbread the, Girl? No, it's something else. It's a uh, mm. it's Memory, I think it's called, or I, I can't mm. remember. I have to look back, but we'll definitely talk about it when we get to Duma Key this summer. <laughs> um, but I've I've been thinking about it because the this event was literally to the day almost like a month after Cell came out, and I had Cell, I had Cell, and I was I remember reading it um, on the way up, but I also was holding this Pet Cemetery book that I'd had for years. Um, which of course is yes, the one where he said thanks for the nightmare, or I said thanks for the night, thank <laughs> you for the nightmare. So I was like a fucking moron, but um, <laughs> no. anyway, so I have two because yeah. there are two extremely well written sex scenes in this, and they are both very skinamaxy, but I think <laughs> they really two? work. There's two. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know the second, or I don't remember the second one. I'm well, con- consider it a Christmas present for you. Is it when? Uh, um, <laughs> is it? Is it when Zelda and Pascal have sex? Yes, Wait, it oh. is. It's, it's <laughs> we're just like Lewis. Don't look. Um, oh my god, that would be. I'm hot. having fun with Rachel's sister. <laughs> um, yeah, God, just disgusting. Um, Sorry, that was. Uh, all right, was so wow. so here we go. Um, this is on chapter four, chapter fifteen, page eighty, the original. She met him at the door, and his jaw dropped. 
She was wearing the net bra he liked, a pair of semi-transparent panties and nothing else. You look delicious, he said. Where are the kids? Missy Dandridge took them. We're on our own until 8.30, which gives us two and a half hours. Let's not waste it. She pressed against him. He could smell a faint, lovely scent. Was it in the tar of roses? His arms went around her, first around her waist, and then his hands found her buttocks as her tongue danced lightly over his lips, and then into his mouth, licking and darting. At last, their kiss broke, and he asked her a bit hoarsely, are you for dinner? Dessert, she said. <laughs> and then began... <laughs> Uh, it's great but it's good it's good it's good very smart yeah yeah it's very smutty it's i I just imagining like skinny max um richard grieco in this uh dessert she said (laughs) and then began to rotate her lower body slowly and sensuously against his groin and abdomen but i promise you don't have to eat anything you don't like he reached for her but she slipped out of his arms and took his hand upstairs first she said here we go she drew him an extremely warm bath and then undressed him slowly and shooed him into the water. She donned the slightly rough sponge glove that usually hung unused on the shower head, soaped his body gently, then rinsed it. He could feel the day, this horrible first day, slipping off of him slowly. She had gotten quite wet and her panties clung like a second skin. Lewis started to get out of the tub and she pushed him back gently. What? Now the sponge glove gripped him gently, gently but with almost unbearable friction moving slowly up and down. Rachel, sweat had broken all over him, and not just from the heat of the tub. Shush. It seemed to go on almost eternally. He would near climax, and the hand in the sponge glove would slow, almost stop. Then it didn't stop, but squeezed, loosened, squeezed again, until he came so strongly that he felt his eardrums bulge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jesus Christ. I know. (laughs) My God, he said shakily when he could speak again. Where did you learn that? Girl Scouts, she said primly. Um, so then th- that's the legendary one. And then the second one they found uh, is on page 191. Upstairs, Rachel was lying on her bed, wearing nothing but the sapphire on its chain. Dot, dot, dot. As promised. She smiled at him lazily. <laughs> what took you so long, Chief? The light over the sink was out, Lewis said. I changed the bulb. Come here. <laughs> I love that that did not get, I changed the bulb. All right. Come here, she said, and tugged him gently toward her. Not by the hand. He knows if you've been sleeping, oh. she's saying softly. A little smile curved up those corners of her lips. He knows if you're awake. Oh, my, Lewis, dear. What's this? Something that just woke up, I think, Lewis said, slipping off his robe. Maybe we ought to see if we can get it to sleep before Santa comes. What do you think? She rose on one elbow. He felt breath. Felt her breath warm and sweet. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Have you been a good boy, Lewis? I think so, he said. His voice was not quite steady. Let's see if you taste as good as you look, she said. And then, of course, it goes back into the reality because then King writes, the sex was good, but Lewis did not find himself simply slipping off afterwards as he usually did when the sex was good. Slipping off easy with himself, his wife, his life. He lay in the darkness of Christmas morning, listening to Rachel's breathing slow and deep, and he thought about the dead bird on the doorstep, church's Christmas present to him. It's like, that's the power of the book of like, boom, you're back. Do you think his his cock waking up is... (laughs) foreshadowing for the reanimated oh. bodies that are going to come out of this yeah probably i think i think there's some symmetry there for sure yeah 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 um, coming back to life yeah now the, uh, in pet cemetery i believe he also is that's also the book where he describes his flaccid penis in the bathwater, and he describes you're it right, as yeah. floating kelp and i have yes he does never forgotten that yeah <laughs> that's good it's accurate yeah Mm-hmm. I th- that's when the, the church drops the rat into the into I the think so. tub, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I, shit, the, yeah. I do like that hand job scene. I 
I was uh, telling uh, uh, Jen and Ashley earlier, I remember Mel calling it an, an out of this world hand job <laughs> yeah. on the episode, which mm-hmm. that was very funny. Yeah. The only thing is, whenever I hear like sex involving a loofah, my mind always goes to that transcript of the Bill O'Reilly recording. Have you ever read that? Like, it, it was when Bill, you know, Bill O'Reilly, like, cheated on his wife with a bunch of people. Yeah. There, the, uh, one of the women like recorded their phone sex conversation and he talks about like putting on a loofah and you know like servicing her or whatever and it's it's so clumsy like if you read the transcript it's like yeah and, uh, I, I got a loofah but it's like one of those glove loofahs yeah yeah <laughs> then I put it uh, and it's, it's, it's just so it's so like bumbling and, oh, and God. funny uh-huh. and so uh, you should look at the transcript it's great um, but uh, so uh, that's the only thing about that is I, I, my mind always goes to um, disgusting Bill O'Reilly uh, bumbling phone sex with it too so uh, yeah Read, yeah. Seek it out, listeners. I didn't know until this year watching season three, four, three or four or five, five of The Crown um, about the sex. Oh, the tampon call? Oh, the yeah. tampon is great. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Tampon yeah. Wait, what is this? Prince, this is insane. Or, I'm sorry, the king now um, yeah. at mm-hmm. one point when he was with Diana had sent messages back to his mistress who he's now married to. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? Camilla Camilla Parkable. And basically says that he like wishes he could be a tampon and and live inside of her. And like there's some other things as well. But the tampon certainly uh, stood out. And uh, again, very like seemingly clumsy. If you're not in the moment of dirty talk, if you're not a participant in the moment, I guarantee every instance of dirty talk in history is the weirdest and like oh, yeah. cringiest right. thing you've ever seen, heard, read. We and all probably look like Neanderthals when we're truly. talking about sex and having sex and whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm being all critical, but I'm like, a, like, like I look about me, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and it's like every relationship I feel like has their own language, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that's like where the pound cake thing came from. Like you just kind of start to you know, you speak about it in ways that would sound completely bizarre to somebody else. Like it it reminds me of that sex in the city scene where the guy wants Samantha, no, not Samantha, wants Miranda to talk dirty and she's in the middle of it and she's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) I think that might be something else, but it's just, it's like, it's, I'm not good with the dirty talk unless King writes it for me and then. Yeah. And then you excel, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, I just want to point out to our listeners that if you have enjoyed us reading all of these passages, you will like audiobooks. So mm. check them out. <laughs> um, well, Ashley, do you have another one you want to uh, Yeah, I have one more, um, a very sweet one. I remember reading this for the first time and really enjoying it, and I went and sought it back out. Um, we haven't done this on the show yet, but this isn't going to spoil anything. Uh, Revival. Mm. Which mm. I don't know. Did Revival give us sweater nubbins or <laughs> was no, sweater nubbins it, a thing? I feel like that's Maybe. been around for a while. Okay. It's, it was I forgot that, it was in there. It was something that David Morse narrated, but I don't know which uh, book it was. Well, there's a few mm. sweater nubbins in this. So nice. And it's rough. I hate it I, every time I read sweater nubbins. Yeah. Um, it ruined a lot for me. But other than that, other than sweater <laughs> nubbins, revival, the sex in revival was incredibly sweet. And mm-hmm. this scene is the protagonist, Jamie, and his first love, who it was like the traditional, like very pretty girl in high school who kind of never really gave him the time of day. And then 
they get together, they have their first kiss under a fire escape, which I think is really romantic considering I can't really mm-hmm. remember where my first kiss was, so I can only assume it wasn't romantic. Um, a lot of making out, a lot of fondling, her nubbins grew, um, her mouth tasted <laughs> as, as like cigarettes. Either. And the fondling (laughs) turns into something called recess, which is their code Mm. word for mutual masturbation because they weren't having sex. They were just mutually masturbating. But anyways, and then there's the the sex scene, and it's very sweet, so I'm going to read it now. Those luminous eyes on mine, and then she dropped them and began biting her lip. Just don't. Don't get carried away, all right? Think of me and be gentle because I'm scared. Carol said her first time hurt like hell. We undressed each other all the way at last while the clouds unraveled overhead and the sun shone through and the whisper of running water began to die away. Her arms and legs were already tanned. The rest of her was white as snow. Her pubic hair was fine gold, accentuating her sex rather than obscuring it. There was an old mattress in the corner where the roof was still whole. We weren't the first to use that cabin for what it was used for that day. She guided me in and then made me stop. I asked her if it was all right. She said it was, but that she wanted to do it herself. Hold still, honey, just hold still. I held still. It was agony to hold still, but it was also wonderful to hold still. She raised her hips, and I slid in a little deeper. She did it again, and I slipped in a little more. I remember looking at the mattress and seeing its old faded pattern and smudges of dirt and a single trundling ant. Then she raised her hips again. I slid in all the way and she gasped. Oh my God, does it hurt? No, it's wonderful. I think you can do it now. I did. We did. Um, And then it kind of goes on to just say that was like the summer of love and it was just mm-hmm. a really sweet like description of a first time like of two people losing their virginity to each other and like the things that he was noticing at the time and like how he thought of her in that moment was very sweet Mm -hmm. and then of course like their summer of love which is what he calls it which is like them doing it everywhere which sounds just like your first sexual relationship where you just Uh do it every chance you get um and yeah it was really really beautiful it, it kind of reminded me of the Dead Zone one a little bit too. Yeah, yeah it did. About it, which I liked. When when you were reading that one earlier, I immediately thought of this one. Yeah. And even the uh, revival is a nasty book, man. By the end of <laughs> yeah. it, though. I cannot yeah, wait I to it. get to this <laughs> book. It's so good. Oh my god, it's love so it. good. But it's like it's like what you were saying about that Pet Cemetery passage because the very end, it's like this really hot, like romantic, but also kind of smutty scene, and then he just starts talking. Uh, thinking about this cat that's come back to life and it's like because revival is super dark also Mm -hmm. and really feels like a kind of a spiritual cousin to pet cemetery um and i think those books feel so dark because king really gets into the relationships of the book so like we really feel what we lose when rachel and lewis are ripped apart you know and when their family is destroyed because we get to see like the passion of life and that's why it just counterpoints all of the darkness in such a great way, you know, and that's when, that's when I think he's really at his best is when he's able to bring out both of those things. It's like the Chris relationship and the Sue relationship, yeah. you know, this yeah. dichotomies, you know, and it's interesting as we're pulling all of these, like 
I feel like when I was looking at some of the responses on Twitter, like we're not pulling a lot of what I think listeners thought we were going to. There are some that are like the big ones that we definitely wanted to talk about. But it's all like stuff that we've personally connected with Mm -hmm. in some way or something that like it was either really funny or like meant something to us or like reminded us of a time in our life. And it just it speaks to like his power of like allowing us to connect with the characters, you know? Yeah. And I thought, you know, coming in today, a lot of the a lot of sex and horror can be rape, which Stephen Uh has written many times before um and so coming in today i was like i wonder if we're going to get into the really dark stuff if we're Mm going to get into the silly stuff and mostly we've just been like i don't know taking like kind of serious sex scenes but i like them i like them a lot and even like revival like i said like that scene was like very sweet you also have the recess thing that's mentioned several times because Stephen loves euphemisms. And then you mm. also have, you know, sweater nubbins, which makes me want to kill myself. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a really upsetting scene in Under the Dome also that is yes. not yeah. this scene. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah, there were, like, when I thought about the ones that stood out to me that I was like, I gotta be sure we talked about, it, it was the Pet Cemetery of the Lufa Wangs. I just love that scene. Um, and then the Carrie one, and then another one that I'm gonna read soon. Um, and then a lot of the darker ones. I was like, I don't, I don't want to, look for this in Gerald's game you know I don't want to yeah. look for this in that scene and under the dome because that's not what we're talking about you know because that doesn't that's that is sex technically but mm-hmm. it's it's not the same thing no, and I think even with violence. the silly scenes exactly yeah it's violence and control and dominance and you know even with the sillier ones there's still like humanity there you yeah know? And there's still something that we can kind of relate to you know, I mean, who hasn't destroyed your ex-girlfriend's house and then jerked off all over her bedspread? <laughs> you know, it's like college. <laughs> but, um, well, we've got a couple more. Dan, do you want to read one more? Oh, uh, you know what? Those were the ones that I pulled for text. Um, I'll just give a shout, another shout out to Pet Cemetery when uh, <laughs> Judd reminisces about visiting a, a sex worker and. <laughs> <laughs> King does this in Cujo and Pet Cemetery, just casual. I forgot about that. <laughs> just casual, like, oh yeah, you know, I had to, even though Judd, Judd's like happily married the rest of the book. But he, I think he's what the I can't remember the exact line, but he says something like, you know, Lewis, like there's like certain things you can ask your wife to do, and uh, you know, every now and then the man, a man gets the urge to sink into something strange, and I, I just think that's so <laughs> so funny. Mel and I were talking about that, just that that term. I think the term strange is so. Uh, did you? Are you guys like? I didn't know that term until a few like, years get, ago. Get Randall told to me. Get yeah, I never heard. Is I, that like a Midwestern thing? No, I've heard, I, never I'd heard, heard it. I've heard it in movies before from like the, I, I want to say 80s movies, maybe. Okay, had, yeah. Had references to getting some strange. <laughs> I just think it's such a funny term for it. And uh, I found out about it because Randall and I wrote this uh, horror comedy called uh, All Hunks Must Die. And, <laughs> and there's this, it's just, it's like, a, you know, slumber party massacre type thing, but with just like frat guys instead. And uh, there's one of the frat guys is looking for another frat guy. And he, he comes upon like this cave and Randall wrote in this line, like, Hey man, you in there? You, uh, you like nervously, like you find some cave strange. And I was like, what is this line? I don't understand this. And he's like, he's like strange, you know? And I'm like, what? And so he, t- and I, anyway, so I'm just kind of obsessed with that word, but uh, imagining Fred <laughs> Gwynn 
Imagine Fred Gwynn saying, like, uh, now, Louis, you know, a man gets nerds to sink into something strange, which is why he visits prostitutes every month. I'm just like, okay. Anyway, shout out to John oh and the Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Oh, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, he does just drop that kind of stuff in. You yeah, know? Cujo, it's weird. It's Cujo, it's like a one-off thing, um, just like on a business trip. But Judd, I think mm-hmm. it's implied like he, he had a he had a period where he was doing that quite a bit. So, because yeah. that's what Aww. that's what Gage brings up, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, he, and, yeah. Um, yeah. He starts talking about details with these uh, uh, women, so but creepy. yeah. Glad that didn't make its way into the movie. Um, but yeah, well, yeah. Could you imagine also- having tasking Miko Hughes to say all this stuff? Yeah. It's like, all right, Miko. Oh remember the word is whores. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could just see him standing up in the kindergarten <laughs> cop room saying. I mean, he said, more. "Yeah, he said penis in uh, right. kindergarten cop." <laughs> that is true. You know, uh, Ivan Reitman's taking notes because he's like visiting the set. He's like, "This kid's fucking great. I'm gonna bring him on to cake." This kid has a way with blue humor. I'm gonna <laughs> bring him on to cake cop. Oh my god, that movie is so good. Uh, well, and I yeah, also want to give a shout out to um, I, I pulled a section from Green Mile. I'm probably not going to read it, but it's the one where um, Tom Hanks and Bonnie Hunt, whose yeah. character names I can't remember, are hooking up, and then at the end, like while he's still inside her, he starts crying about John Coffee, which I always think is just a fun little turn, you know. But then there's also a whole lot of dialogue where uh, the lady is talking about poke me in my mud hole and just saying the dirtiest things that oh, yeah. I've ever yeah, yeah. heard. Nasty. Yeah, it, but it's not. It's so funny. No, you know what? No, what I always think of. I think it's in the book too. It, um, from the Green Mile is where Sam Rockwell like pit, or throws the piss on uh on him, and then he go. And what does he say? He's like um. He's like, you come back later, I'll whip up some turds for you. And, it's, <laughs> it's so, and honest, honestly, I think it makes me laugh because that came out shortly before uh, Ralph and I were watching a lot of uh, Stella shorts, which yeah. he Sam Rockwell is on a couple of them, and he plays a character pretty much like that. And so I just always think of him um, being like, I love sloppy wet pizza. And so sloppy anyway, wet uh, yeah. Pizza. Uh, yeah, but uh, the turds, the, the, I mean, I know that guy's like a, yeah, child killer, but uh, I, there's something, just the way he says that always makes me laugh in the movie. The scene where he chews up the moon pie and uh, spits it, it's ugh, so, it yeah, makes nasty. me almost vomit. It's so <laughs> gross. We asked yeah, but- in our interview um, with David Morris, I, that's in the Patreon here in the Barons, believe we, I believe Randall and I brought that up. Like how many takes did they have to do? And mm-hmm. I think he said it was very unpleasant. It was not a fun, not a fun uh, part of the shoot. Uh, <laughs> I imagine like, not. Yeah. I You're still getting that- spat on by someone. Yeah. yeah. Every time I look at Sam Rockwell, that's what I see too. It's like well, we, got pro- we just... got a problem here. Uh, he like burns the cigarette <laughs> on his hand. <laughs> Man, what, see, yeah, seek out. I'm sure it's still on there. Look up <laughs> Stella Shorts. It's not called pizza. It's called board, right? There's another one called pizza. Yeah, I think it's board. That's what I always used to get it mixed up because pizza is the one where they go to the pizza place, right? Yeah, and and he's delivering pizza on. Look up Stella Shorts, Sam Rockwell board, or just Stella Shorts board. Well, if you're a Sam Rockwell fan, well worth seeking out. And who is um, exactly? Yeah, he's great. He's an incredible actor. <laughs> he is. He's got a very like every man to him. He, yeah, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's not like in, super handsome. He's not like Steve Buscemi ugly. He's very every man esque, but he's got an edge. Yeah, he very, feels yeah. like like beard stubble, like as a person. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm sure he's like he's like a real person as well, but you know, like that's that's what what I get from him, you know. 
Yeah, but also like the first time I ever saw him in anything was in the Green Mile. So it's always a the first bit time of that I ever noticed him in anything, like noticed him was Charlie's Angels. And I was like, who mm. is this fella? <laughs> and it turns out <laughs> I think it was I had good taste. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. And uh Wait, but he's in Ninja Turtles. He's so say, a, speaking of pizza. Speaking yeah. of pizza, yeah. is, who's he in Ninja Turtles? <laughs> he's the, when they go to he's the, in the um, arcade bar, the Foot thing. Soldiers, yeah, arcade hangout. He's the one who um, offers that. He's like, you can do anything you want here, and, it, and then the kids like got any cigarettes. And he's like, yeah, regular or menthol. That's that's Sam Rockwell. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that movie in probably since I was a kid. It's <laughs> great. I did have a big crush on Casey Jones um, back in the day. Oh yeah, um, there's uh, some funny humor with him in that too. Which just like mm, some uh, interesting lines, lines there. But yeah, yeah, love, love him, love him. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so speaking of somebody else, I love because I've got one more that I want to read. This was the first one that came to mind when I started thinking about sex scenes. It's from Needful Things. No, it's not the lady that fucks Elvis. <laughs> it is. Um, it's Polly and Allen, and yes. I like I love this scene because it is. It's really romantic, but also I have been puzzling over the physics of this for for the past probably 20 years since I read this. So, okay. So it's Polly and Alan after they have eaten at Cluck Cluck Tonight, mm. which might be my favorite fictional name of anything ever. And then Polly has got this. Um, she's got arthritis in her hands if you have not read the book. Okay. <clears throat> so she's almost dropped a glass and Alan caught it. You move like a damn cat, she said as he straightened. Her voice was thick, a little slurred. She kept seeing the graceful way his leg had bent, the flex of the long muscles in his thighs, the smooth curve of one calf. How does a man as big as you move that fast? I don't know, he said, and looked at her with surprise and puzzlement. What's wrong, Polly? You look funny. Do you feel faint? I feel, she said, like I'm going to come in my pants. It came to him, too, then, just like that. There was no wrong about it, no right. It just was. Let's see if you are, he said, and moved forward with that same grace, that weird speed that would never suspect if you saw him ambling down Main Street. Let's just see about that. He set the glass on the counter with his left hand and slipped his right between her legs before she knew what was happening. Alan, what are you do? And then his thumb pressed with gentle force against her clitoris, doing, turning, to doing <laughs> and he lifted her <laughs> with his easy amazing strength she put her arms around his neck being careful even at this warm moment to hold with her forearms her hands stuck off behind him like stiff bundles of sticks but they were suddenly the only parts of her which were stiff the rest of her seemed to be melting alan put me down I don't think so, he said, and lifted her higher. He slid his free hand between her shoulder blades as she started to slip and pressed her forward. And suddenly she was rocking back and forth on the hand between her legs like a, like a girl on a hobby horse. And he was helping her rock. And she felt as if she were in some wonderful swing with her feet in the wind and her hair in the stars. Alan... Hold tight, pretty lady, he said, and he was laughing as if she weighed no more than a bag of feathers. She leaned back, almost unaware of his steadying hand in her growing excitement, only knowing he would not let her fall. And then he brought her forward again, and one hand was rubbing her back, and the thumb of his other hand was doing things to her down there, things she had never even considered. And she rocked back again, calling his name out delirious. Her orgasm hit like a sweet, exploding bullet, rushing both ways from the center of her. Her legs swung back and forth six inches above the kitchen floor. One of her loafers flew off and sailed all the way into the living room. Her head fell back so 
I'm sorry. Her head fell back, so her dark hair trailed off his forearm in a small tickling torrent, and at the height of her pleasure, he kissed the sweet white line of her throat. He set her down, then reached out quickly to steady her as her knees buckled. Oh, my God, she said, beginning to laugh weakly. Oh, my God, Alan, I'll never wash these jeans again. (laughs) That struck him as hilarious, and he bellowed laughter. He collapsed into one of the kitchen chairs with his legs stuck out straight in front of him and howled, holding his stomach. She took a step toward him. He grasped her, pulled her onto his lap for a moment, and then stood with him in her arms. I'm sorry. And then stood with her in his arms. I'm getting flustered. She felt that fainting wave of emotion and need sweep her again, but it was clearer now, better to find. Now, she thought, now it is desire. I desire this man so much. Take me upstairs, she said. If you can't make it that far, take me to the couch. And if you can't make it to the couch, do me right here on the kitchen floor. I think I can make it at least as far as the living room, he said. How are your hands, pretty lady? What hands, she asked dreamily and closed her eyes. She concentrated on the clear joy of this moment, moving through space and time in his arms, moving in darkness encircled by his strength. She pressed her face against his chest, and when he put her on the couch, she pulled him down, and this time she used her hands to do it. Wow, wow, wee wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I know. Yeah. I just love them. And then it leads to this whole like nighttime thought where they have um, – like it's a flashback of when they first get together which is really like her helping him work through the grief of losing his first wife and it's just such a sweet like they're one of my favorite couples in king's dominion and i just i love that sex scene because it feels like there's humor to it but there's like passion and also you're like I kind of want to try that. Yeah, like, I don't know what they were doing. I couldn't picture it in my head, but I want to try it sometime. Right, like, I I just imagine, like, I don't know. I feel like it might be painful, but also, like, I, I just... But it's one of those things that I like. I try to piece through, but then also, like as I'm reading it, you just kind of get swept washed away. away by what he's yeah. talking about. Exactly. Yeah. In the same way she Do does. Do you guys picture uh, Ed Harris yeah. and... and uh, Bonnie Bedelia? I do. In the, yeah, no, I did too when I was listening to it. <laughs> it is Bonnie Bedelia, isn't it? Yeah. Or Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah. When I say Sissy Spacek, why do I think Sissy Spacek? Oh, because of cause Carrie. Yeah. yeah. But wait, isn't she in another King thing too? Am I making that up? Uh, She's in Castle Rock. Yeah. Oh, duh. Because she plays yeah. and the Pangborn. The queen yeah. is like Oh, yeah, that's why. Because she, I'm blending, she, I'm blending oh Pangborn's uh, here. But, uh, Pangborn sex partners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was but, the Beautiful uh, Things Bonnie Bedelia, was that Randall's yeah. crush or was that uh, yeah, no, it's Justin's both, crush? Well, Justin's crush is on Bonnie Bedelia for Susan. Sound, yeah, it sounds Susan. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I, I like to, just those characters are so light. Like, the Chris and Billy scene from Carrie, you're just like, oh, God, I'm, you're kind of rooting for these people to get killed afterwards, too. Whereas I feel like <laughs> mm-hmm. with them, they're just such likable protagonists in that book that that just makes you invested in, in a weird kind of way at that point. And it's like an older romance. Like, I like that it's in a later part of their life and they're brought together by like trying to move past grief and like starting a new chapter. It's just so, it's so sweet. Makes me want to read the book again, even though that book is long. It is a long book. (laughs) Yeah. But King reads the audio book, so it's fun. I want to say that was the last book we read before the pandemic, I think. Um, I think it was because that was like right before my first episode. I remember you guys were covering that. Yeah. and my first episode, I think, 
was the night they canceled the NBA season. <laughs> it was, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think we. Bef- well, maybe we were on before talking about Outsider. I think. Oh, that's right. That's but, right. But, yeah, because that was Sleepwalkers. Wasn't but that it? was a wild like stretch of a few weeks because we were coming back after a break, and then um, I remember we dove right into Needful Thing or yeah, Needful Things, and it was like a two-parter, and it was it wasn't planned to be a two-parter. We were just like talking so much about it that we were like, oh man, we're gonna have to come back like next week and finish this. And yeah. Yeah. There's just so much. Like, even like, I want to do an episode on Alan Pangmore, but like, I also want to do like a whole different episode about Alan and Polly. Yeah. Because they're just, it's just, I love that relationship. Love them. Love them. Yeah. We got any more? I mean, I don't know if I could top yeah, the, it's the good one. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, you know. Otherwise, it'd just it be like, you know, one. flaccid penis and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <you know>. Right. <laughs> well, I want to give a shout out to a section of Paul Sheldon's writing where um, Misery gets a little bit uh, with one of her two lovers. I can't remember if it's Ian or Joffrey, but that was a fun one. And then I did pull a capper that I think would be really fun to end on. It is from Cycle of the Werewolf. Nice. And it's, it's, I think, tipping us back into horror. So this is from February. And it's, I can't remember if she actually has a name, but I, I think about her as Mrs. Lonely Hearts. Oh, um, the lady. Yeah, yeah, that's so sad. Yeah. So sad. It is sad. But, it, but if we read it one way, it could be nice. All right. <laughs> Too late, she remembers. Oh, hold on. The wolf pads toward her, yellow eyes gleaming with cool lust. Stella Randolph, I guess that's her name, backs slowly towards her narrow virgin's bed until the back of her pudgy knees strike the frame and she collapses upon it. Moonlight parts the beast's shaggy fur in a silvery streak. On the bureau, the Valentine's cards shiver minutely in the breeze from the open window. One of them falls and seesaws lazily to the floor, cutting the air in big silent arcs. The wolf puts his paws up on the bed, one on either side of her, and she can smell its breath, hot, but somehow not unpleasant. Its yellow eyes stare into her. Lover, she whispers and closes his eyes. It falls upon her. Love is like dying. Oof, wow. That's a good one. That is a good closer. That was a great closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It br- bridges the, our different world. Takes it back to heart. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a nice little book. I might... You know what would be interesting is to just read that section like for every month you get to and just like live out the cycle of the werewolf for your year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I still would. I'd still would love for uh, I think we kicked around the idea of like them doing like one per month on Netflix and you can Mm -hmm. just have like a new episode every month or like a new short film every month that's based on that section. Like that Into the Dark thing Hulu was doing. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know about y'all, but I need a cold shower. <laughs> I'm all hot and bothered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm full. I'm Man. full of pound cake. I need to go take a oh, giant yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, that, that was necessarily hey, sexy. Hey, it's part of the pound cake. It's, it's part, part of the pound cake. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've read some uh, some hot stuff today. Um, but before we all go take care of some pressing business, which sounds like Dan Dan just explained for us all, uh, let's wrap up with some plugs. Um, not going to make a dirty joke about that. Sorry. <laughs> you could have. Yeah, easily. <laughs> oh, all right. Ashley, where can we find you online? And what's coming up on Keep It Weird? Yeah, follow us uh, at Keep It Weird Cast. And you can also, we're going to be putting a lot of our episodes on YouTube this season. Once we start back up again, we're still on hiatus. So uh, www.youtube.com slash Keep It Weird Podcast. We actually just got to do a review of the 
latest Missing 411 documentary. Um, it was oh. Missing 411, the UFO connection. It was pretty wild. I really enjoyed it. So um, oh, that's cool. our latest video, but we have a ton of stuff on there too. So yeah, subscribe to our YouTube. Make us look cooler than we are. Yeah. And I'm loving your Tarot Tuesdays Thank on you. Instagram. Oh, yes. Too. We do Tarot Tuesdays where we teach you the tarot deck. And we do Witchy Wednesdays where we teach you really easy spells that you can do at home. And some of those spells are just cooking really bomb-ass food and then eating it. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Kitchen witches. Kitchen witch. Yep. Kitchen witch bitch. Yep. Yeah. So follow yeah. us there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Dan, where can we find you? And what's up with Halloweenies? I know we talked a little bit about chuckleheads. Yeah. Uh, DW Caffrey on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, not on Mastodon or uh, any of the other <laughs> ones that are coming, <laughs> really? that are coming I really out. tried. So, you know, I heard, yeah, social. I hear it's no good. No, that's that's what I heard. Yeah. Um, but hey, no knock if you're if you <laughs> someone out there is on Mastodon. Um, Hello, yeah, Halloween is away at us, right? Yeah, and I, I uh, you know, Halloweenies, we are um, in full child's play mode. We are in uh, we are in Toyland. The chuckleheads have come out to play. Um, when's this dropping? This episode. This Friday, Friday, so, so we haven't even we haven't even recorded it yet. <laughs> so. Child's Play Two will be the next one coming out, so look out. Um, I'm not on that episode, but I actually did just watch it last night because uh, I'm just yeah. I hey, I got hey, it's like uh, like Pokemon to paraphrase Pokemon. I gotta watch them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm really really excited to get to the show, which is a little ways away still. But um, yeah, like Ashley said, I think that, I think Chucky's one of the best TV series on right now. So, um, yeah. So come find us, you know, you know where the Halloweenies live. Half of you are <laughs> listeners already. So yeah, get ready right. for our wild ride, uh, and park this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram more. So Instagram recently, um, and just writing and talking about weird stuff and doing whatnot. And on, I do a white ladies in crisis podcast on the anatomy of a screen pod squad. We just talked about fear, which speaking of sex scenes, the roller coaster scenes. Mike's beating on his chest. That's what I immediately do. Anytime I think about that movie is just start beating on my chest. And I say, Jen for Eva. <laughs> With Will uh, Graham well, from uh, Manhunter, isn't it? Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think of him as CSI, dude. Mm. But um, And we're also talking about The Crush soon, which is Carrie always is, will be one of my dream crushes forever. Um, so, yeah, that's me. And Mike, where can we find you and what's coming up for the Losers Club? Well, you can find me at Michael Rothman, where I uh, retweet and also <laughs> do mundane, sarcastic tweets sometimes. Um, <laughs> and uh, for Losers Club, well, we were. So this is going to be Friday. Uh, well, you just had the sweetest slice. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next uh, week, we got Randall talking slice. to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all. Anytime you hear <laughs> no, the sweetest that... anything, I just... Oh, the sweetest thing. Yeah. Is, is that a... That's called The Sweetest Thing, right? Then, then yeah, that's, they yeah. did it's a movie. The Does the movie starring Thomas Jane, The Sweetest Thing, Ooh. also use the song Sweetest Thing? No. The, oh. It's interestingly enough, that movie... It does come from a song that lyric, but they sing the Aerosmith song from Armageddon because oh. they say the the, um, the sweetest thing I'll never be because oh, I miss wow. you. So they okay. actually sing that, and that's yeah, it's weird. So it does come from a song, but it's the Aerosmith song and not the U two song. Just so they, my high school boyfriend and I's special song. Wait, which one, Armageddon? Or don't want to miss it. Yeah, from yeah, that was like at homecoming. I remember dancing. With, yeah, that was like I danced with this girl. I had a big crush onto that song. And I remember being like, oh man, you pulled you animal know, you know, out of your pocket. Yeah, I know. You're like, yeah. can I make these walk across <laughs> your bare belly? 
under a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, animal uh, crackers. Oh, no, yeah. I think I think the night probably ended with me awkwardly walking away <laughs> and you know being afraid to talk to her after that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, we, we you know next week on the main feed we're gonna have uh, King and Queerness with uh, Laramie Dean. That's an interview uh, with Randall. Super excited and then, to listen to that. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, that's that's been wrapped for a, a little bit too. So we've they're this buddies, a, right, uh, Randall and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been wanting to to do this episode for a bit, and so it'll be good. And then we, you know, better read cell. It's about a little over four hundred pages. I I finished my second read through last night, and I'm very oh, excited nice. to record that this weekend. Um, yeah. and then we have in the in the Patreon our next Patreon episode because that'll be an early access uh, episode You'll, you know our overlooked patrons will get the sell episode next Friday haha <laughs> uh, so you know if you're all sitting there like oh what's what's the deal with that uh, then get go up to the go overlook to you. you know and you'll get yeah. it on Friday um, and then if you do that also uh, you'll get our next spinoff pod the King Character Ooh. Corner uh, Jen do you want to digress on that a little bit yeah just a little bit so like my favorite thing to talk about with these books is always the characters um and so we're doing a spinoff about that it's going to be character corner we're going to pick like a character or two like i was thinking like maybe we'll do tommy and sue or like sue and chris or something like we're going to take a character or two and we're going to go deep on them especially characters that appear in multiple books or like Jack Torrance, who appears in multiple forms throughout like the King's Dominion. So I'm super excited about that. And our first one is going to be on maybe my favorite character ever, uh, Charlie McGee. And Ashley, I think you're going to join me I am. Me that, I'm really right? excited. Hey. I'm super excited. Yeah, like flames are like bursting from my fingers right now just thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. the so yeah. The heat is corner. on. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our theme. Yeah, just keep yeah. doing that for even though if you're not going to be covering Charlie McGee, but it just goes. Right. Like, oh, welcome to the King Quarter. <laughs> the dude, heat is, is on. on. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll just do it until we get sick. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a question. So yeah, that's coming up. <laughs> here's a question. Uh, would Castle Rock, the town itself, you might say as a character, would that be in the character corner, or is that does that go too far? Um, you know. I I think it would be interesting to look at each person in Castle Rock, you know? Yeah. Um, but I actually think another fun spinoff would be like Castle Rock Chronicles. And oh. We'll just talk about all that. I, look, I got a million ideas. <laughs> yeah, let's keep, let's keep them coming. Oh, so, yeah. We do Castle Rock Chronicles. We talk about all the different stories, and then we move to Derry, and then we could do, yeah. So. Sean Patrick Lots. Flannery could be in the Castle Rock Chronicles. Yes. <laughs> he'll move on from Indiana hey, Jones man. Chronicles. The sky's um, the limit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really excited about that. And I think that's it for us for the month. It's a short month, but we are really packing in a lot of content for it. Um, you don't want to miss any of it. So be sure to follow us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are just always posting, always making content. Can't stop, won't stop for the losers. And if you're hot for this episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing by giving us some bright red Pennywise clown nose Valentines. Your favorite, oh. Oh, you're <laughs> devoted, you're only the Losers Club. Until then, we'll be seeing you over long and horny days. <laughs> <laughs> and and lessons. Sensual.
This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>